long story boring, I think that's the song I'm going to play on any intro on Spaces Moving Forward because uh, it speaks to me, number one. Number two, like, fuck all these people. Like, I, I can't tell you how much. I, just 2024 is going to be a year, and uh, it's going to be a year of exposure. It's going to be a year of the whistleblower. It's going to be a year of many people um, basically showing their true colors, and we're already seeing it now. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make way. for Jen should be here shortly. Oh, there she is. So Jen is going to co-host with me. I've been gone a week. I haven't hosted these spaces in some time. And Millie and myself and Jen have been talking about doing our spaces again. And there's a lot to talk about. There's so much over the last month, just in January alone, that there's to talk about. So I think we're going to kind of revisit a lot of this stuff. Uh, I'm here watching Norm Eisen piss in his pants, cry that his ops aren't working anymore. It's no longer working. These people are failing. And now, like, all these these quote-unquote influencers that think they have some kind of power over people, they're fucking losing, too. These people are losers. And uh, I'm here for it. So, Jen, welcome. Good to see you. Thanks, Josh. I couldn't figure out why you, like, you were like, oh, Jen and Millie will be here in a few minutes. I was on freaking anonymous listening, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm assuming, I know you were going to be here, and I'm assuming now that Millie's, like, out there posting that she'll be here shortly as well, because... We haven't had this space in like over a week, like almost two weeks. And uh, I'm off work today. I've been traveling. I've been out of the country for the week. So I'm here and uh, I'm here to talk about it. Jen, we got a lot to talk about, don't we? January 2024 was a whole year unto itself. No, it feels like literally it's been a year and it's only been one month. And so much is happening, Trash. And yeah, Norm Eisen is literally out there trying to backpedal what's going on with Fannie Willis right now. And then Jack Smith gets, you know, put on the back burner indefinitely last night. So like pretty much all of their shit is following apart, falling apart. And I think like it really speaks to the notion of like, they are truly operating on a house of cards and they have been for a really long time. And because we weren't all as involved as we are now. And because we don't, we didn't know a lot of the shit that was actually happening. No one was asking questions, but when you start asking really poignant questions and you start exposing like the infrastructure of how they're operating, they literally come tumbling down and they are, they are really winning on our ignorance. And that day of ignorance is no more. Like, listen, I, I was talking to, I was talking to a couple of people like while I was traveling and I mean, number one. Like, imagine me trying to explain to somebody that has no point of reference, not only that, that what we do on X and in our daily lives, but then also like to explain like what my personality is on X or like what trash discourse means or why I'm a fucking raccoon. Like, imagine me trying to explain this to a stranger. I did it in parts so they could understand it, uh, but they got it. And there's a lot of people I was talking to out there that are not like engaged like we are highly engaged in the info in the info sphere. But people also see it, like the average everyday people. Like I, I, I was on the plane yesterday. Uh, if you guys saw the tweet, <laughs> it was really funny. I was on the plane yesterday, Heading and I'm to already Toronto. Pissed. You fucking raccoon, knocking out the electric in Toronto last night. Was that you? Yeah, yeah. They've strayed too far from God, and they don't deserve electricity until they come back to God. So, like you know, put down your tablets with power and pick up a Bible, and then we can talk. <laughs> so. But what I'm saying is, like, I was talking to, like, average, average everyday people, right? And they all see what's going on. 
like there was there was this lady that was like, yes, I voted for Biden and I've been a lifelong Democrat. But what's happening at the border is not good. And she was like, I don't know why this administration won't close it up, but we're we're in a lot of trouble with our safety in this country. This woman was literally telling me this as a lifelong Democrat. And so, you know, the year of 2024 in January is actually very poignant because a lot of things that Jen, you and I, Millie and Sabby, she's here listening and Jack, stuff that we've been talking about over the last few years and specifically like hardcore over the last year and a half is finally starting to bear fruit. We're finally starting to see like people with large followings or, or large audiences or legacy media start to pick up this stuff. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. It's not like I'm like, oh, well, where were you a year and a half ago? We already talked about this, bro. It's like, I'm so glad to see it. I'm so glad that it's becoming a part of the national conversation because the people that are not engaged, that are maybe lifelong Democrats or Republicans in name or whatever they may be, they're starting to see the same things that we've been banging on about for like the last few years and specifically the last year and a half. And I'm telling you, it's a fucking miracle. Like, I, I can't tell you how happy I'm about this, Jen. I, I can't. Yeah, no, and I think it, it's coming at the perfect time, right? Because like you want to expose it far enough away from the election that you can actually do something about it, but not so far that they're able to pivot and put something else in place uh, to replace what got exposed. No, that's exactly right, Jen. I mean, to the point where we had John Kerry as the climate czar, right? He's flying around on his private planes. He's going to the WEF. He's speaking at the UN. Wait, Trash, I got to interrupt you. Did you hear that John Kerry's gone and he's been replaced by John Pedo Podesta? That's what I was getting to. That's that's what I was saying. Was like, we saw this guy as the climate czar flying around, going to the WEF, whatever, and basically getting chopped down at the knees of showing just how absurd John Kerry is for a role of a made up role like that is. And then their next thought was let's put John Podesta in that spot. And not only that, this is the Hillary establishment camp trying to re reestablish power over Biden because Obama's failing with the uh, Biden administration because Joe Biden's too fucking stupid to take the help of people that are actually competent at their craft. And so now they're putting John Podesta and they're tapping in Hillary in her camp again. So like, what are we going to see David Brock make a re reemergence as this case goes on against media matters? This is a big deal. You guys, I don't think you understand like how big this is. It's not just like Pizzagate John Podesta emails. This is you are watching Obama influence completely fail because Joe Biden's too incompetent to accept the help. So now they're trying to play the Hillary camp who both Hillary and Obama camps hate each other just to be clear. But now Podesta is going to get next to Joe Biden because they can't control him because they can't it can't affect his policy. Like we are winning at a scale that I did not anticipate in this year of our Lord 2024 in January. Jen, go ahead. I just this is the point I was making. Yeah, trash. No. And to add to that. So it's not just John Pedo Podesta. And if you don't remember, uh, his uh, emails were exposed in the WikiLeaks thing. And that's kind of how uh, we found out about Pizzagate and the pizza parties and the hot dogs from Chicago, um, all, you know, happening at the White House. But they're also toting out Bill Clinton. And this is something that I've been like kind of bringing up a lot is because like within the last month, maybe two months, uh, you know, Bill Clinton was mentioned in those Epstein files 79 times. 
of going down to Epstein Island. And I don't understand how these people can just like, oh, okay, Bill and George and Barack are all getting together and they're going to go out and campaign for Biden. And like, do you guys not realize like we saw you know, we saw him in those emails. Um, but we brought this up in a meeting with American Mission, I think it was yesterday or the day before. Um, and then we started looking into the current censorship. And if you Google, uh, I forgot what we typed in, something to the effect of like Bill Clinton, Epstein documents 79 times, the articles that show up on that Google search all mention Donald Trump first and foremost. And don't even hardly mention Bill Clinton as being at Epstein Island. So their censorship in current day is they are literally censoring the Epstein stuff to keep Bill Clinton's name out there so he can go around and shake his booty for donors. No, that's right. Because the Obama side of politics under the Democrats is failing and they're and the donors on that side are leaving. And so and so there's two there's two parts here. Number one. Joe Biden is so, so, so stupid that he can't even take the help of Obama and his people to try to keep himself above water. But then number two, the Hillary camp and the Bill Clintons of the world, they saw an opportunity where they can actually get in there and try to get close to Biden again, because I believe that there's more information going to come out. And I'm, I, I, I agree with you. I think that they're going to try to to keep tamp down the conversation about Epstein. Political points whether they can then ask for Biden to, I, I don't know, what, what, pardon Bill Clinton or to try to divert conversations of the DOJ or investigations, whatever it may be. It's not that conspiratorial. This actually seems to be what's playing out in real time. But what it reeks of to me is de desperation. Like these people are losing and they're losing bad. And every day that goes by, every day that this economy is absolute dog shit is another day where we can actually fill that vacuum and fill that void. I've been talking about this quite some time now, but there's a massive vacuum right now in politics. And I think like the old influencers, quote unquote, or like the, the political pundits, that's, I think that's what the attacks are for recently. They've all been attacking us, I, me specifically, Millie, myself, you know, Jen, of course, Dustin, where the effective people they're trying to tamp down because they're also their own existence on the right or left is actually being challenged. We are seeing a political shift, not just what we thought we would see from Republican or Democrat or culture war. We're actually seeing like an actual truth and the gatekeepers losing power. And I'm here for it. I, I'm going to fill that fucking void. I hate everybody for it. So, Jen, go ahead. Yeah, Trash, you mentioned, you know, partying Bill Clinton. And the weird part is, is like they have no problem bringing all of these cases against Donald Trump, which, uh, you know, funny enough, are all getting uh you know canceled or you know things are getting exposed in there that puts the entire case at risk i.e fanny willis down in atlanta um but why i know bill clinton was mentioned in these documents right and then it opened up the door uh the Jeannie e carroll stuff you know opened up the door for tara reed to file that new 10 million dollar lawsuit against biden um but why don't we see bill clinton like ever getting you know i don't know like there is literally no consequences for that man's actions. so like you said biden pardoned him like if if bill clinton is allowed to act on presidential immunity with like this like president like uh epstein stuff and like all this other crazy shit like 
what is happening here? Because I haven't even heard Bill Clinton get one lawsuit. I mean, he was mentioned in the lawsuits, but like nothing's come of that. Only Ghislaine Maxwell is in jail. Well, it just feels like that the momentum is moving that way. It, it feels like there's going to be additional investigations. I'm paying attention to what's going on in the House. The people that they're subpoenaing and, and interviewing and, and deposing, it's actually getting very close to those camps. It's, it's moving beyond the Biden Inc. and it's moving into these other camps these ancillary Democrat establishment machine camps. And it just makes me wonder, like, what is happening behind the scenes uh, from people that are in the know inside the Beltway that are probably having these conversations saying, actually, um, we're going to go ahead and move to an investigation. And it seems to be, it seems to be that the, just the investigation and the talk alone around uh, Mayorkas is, as the cause of a lot of this stuff. And you guys are going to say, well, what the hell does Mayorkas have to do with Biden or whatever else? Well, take a look. Take a look at Mayorkas's history. Take a look at his previous posts prior to being DHS. Uh, he, he's very intimately involved with these other camps. And it just makes me wonder, like, once they start down this impeachment process of Mayorkas, how much is going to be revealed and discussed? And it just makes me wonder why John Podesta, of all people, the power broker for the Hillary camp on that side, is now suddenly involved and inserted in a fake role of climate czar just to get close to Biden. I I, I think a lot of this is 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 related, Jen. Like, I, I don't think it's a mystery. I, I I think that the Obama camp is finally pulling out. We saw we saw Project Veritas. I, I knew about this investigation. Um, we saw them uh, interviewing this guy who was the head of of of, of cyber um, in the Biden administration, talking about. Oh, yeah, there's no way in hell that Michelle Obama would ever run, which I said. There's no way she's going to run. She's too much of a private person, whatever. He, whatever. I don't really give a shit. I'm, I'm not here to debate whether or not he's got a dick. What I'm saying is, is that it seems to be that they were trying to astroturf as if Michelle Obama was going to slip into the role in the president, presidential election in 2024. And I said vehemently, nope, that's not happening. That's not going to happen. And so... There's something I can't put my finger on it, Jen. I'm trying to, but I can't put my finger on it. Why it's so important that Podesta is in this fake role and John Kerry's out. And the only thing that I can come up with, if, if I think about it, is that Obama's camp no longer is going to have the same power. We saw, we saw Rice and many other people exit last year. We saw a lot of the administrative staff within the White House and the State Department. There were Obama's admins. They left. And it seems like they're trying to refill it with Hillary's people. Why? Maybe it's about Bill Clinton. I don't know. But but Podesta is, I think, a telltale sign that the power of Democrat establishment is shifting back. To, they're trying to, like, revive the old power structure under the Hillary regimes or the Clinton regimes to try to maintain power because they're losing it under the other. So are they trying to, like, Listen, go back on the trash? It literally, have you seen Hillary lately? It looks like she's getting some, you know, extra doses of adrenochrome, right? She's got that big goofy ass smile back. She's out there shaking hands, eating babies, you know, like doing all the shit. Like, are they really, so if Michelle Obama is not going to run R, like I've been saying for a long time, dust too, like is the hill the beast, the hill dog? Is she coming back? Is she coming back? to break that glass ceiling or is she going to splatter into it like she did last time? Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. Jack, you had your hand up. I'll come to you, but no, that's something I didn't say yet. And and that is that, is this like a priming because Gavin Newsom couldn't be it. 
and they're already attacking RFK and RFK will never get there. He's already screwed. And now his latest social media activities are even worse. Like he's done. So like, is it, is it Hildebeest and that camp trying to come back and make a last ditch effort to then be relevant again in the Democrat uh, party? Because remember, they don't need to primary. They have super delegates. This is how they screwed Bernie and put Hillary in there. They have this super delegate thing. And so is, is that the play? That's a very good point. Is that the play? I think you're right. I think maybe that's what they think they're going to do here. Go ahead, Jen. No, I think it is. And because like, if you noticed what James, the guy with James O'Keefe said the other day, which can we just talk about like James's disguise, like how great it was. And like, he's literally like, my name is James. My name is James. Like, and the guy still didn't get it. So like, honestly, that's on you, bro. You're stupid. Anyways, <laughs> but notice they were talking about like, oh, we need to get rid of Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is a problem, right? Who's better at getting people out of the way than Hilda Beast herself? I mean, the bitch will do it herself, you know, look at Epstein. Because I'm still not convinced that Hillary didn't show up at the jail and access the Epstein herself. <laughs> no, I think it's a great point. And like, <laughs> yeah, you know. Like James O'Keefe, single-handedly, yes, of course, he exposed the fact that Michelle Obama is not going to be running. That's why they're shifting gears, because now you can't even act like Obama even has an influence anymore. Now that's done. But what James showed was that like Clark, the Clark Kent disguise was real. Like it actually worked. Like you did not believe that that was actually Superman, that it was actually Clark Kent. That was actually James Smith, not James O'Keefe. And you've got this absolute clown that's high up in the administration that is completely out of touch with what's going on in the world, just divulge everything. And they said, well, I don't know what we're going to do because we can't, you know, that's, that's the first black, black intersectional woman as a vice president. We can't railroad her. So that's a serious problem. That interview is hilarious because it shows like how much in trouble that administration is above and beyond polling or whether or not that Trump was actually elected and, and voter irregularities. We're talking about acting as if that's a le legit administration and showing that they can't even maintain the fake facade that was put up as if they're real to begin with. And so I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm absolutely here for it, Jen. <laughs> yeah, no, and and think about it, right? If Joe went in and fucked it up that bad, which we know he did, right, Hunter? I still am not unconvinced that Hunter didn't leave that laptop on purpose to try to save himself, right? But if they fucked it up that bad and ultimately the Clintons were in charge, but like then it was kind of Obama, then Obama, you know, got cut out with Joe because Joe's an idiot. I can see the Clintons stepping in themselves and being like, well, y'all fucked it up and we need to fix this ourselves. So we're going to step back in the spotlight and try to like turn this freaking thing around. Now that's, that's what I think is happening because I've seen yeah. way too much of Bill and Hillary. Exactly. But remember there's a lawsuit against media matters right now, right? You got Elon going after media matters. We've got Chris Pavlosky going after Nandini Jammy that we've got many of these lawsuits against crew. Norm Eisen is floundering, but judging by his tweets. Have you guys seen Mark Elias recently tweeting out there? Holy shit, does that dude seem like he's in panic. Now we've got the Fonnie Willis investigation being completely crumbled and done. Jack Smith stuff will never even see court prior to the election. All of this stuff is falling apart. 
And I, I believe you, I agree with you, Jen. I think that there's a massive vacuum hole on the Democrat establishment side. And I think this is the Clinton's last ditch effort to take the power back after they lost it in 2016. And <clears throat> I'm here for it because just step right up. It's like whack-a-mole. Like, all right, come on up. We can bring up all the Podesta emails if you'd like. We can bring out the Anthony Weiner laptop if you'd like. We can bring out the Hunter Biden laptop if you'd like. As a matter of fact, we're actually going to depose Sally Painter of Blue Star Strategies, which came out of your camp, Hillary. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about Blue Star in Congress because they are the money laundering arm between Burisma and the Bidens. So, yes, please, Hillary. But again, it's coming. Yeah, Jen, go ahead. And then we'll get to Adam. Yeah, trash. Right. Um, Adam goes, can you check the the story I put up in the nest? Uh, seems a little odd because we got that information last night that uh, Jack Smith's case was put on, I don't know, put on extend, like indefinite hold or something. So I'm not really sure where that story is coming from. But Adam, jump in here. Well, you guys, uh, bro- hey, thanks for having me up first and foremost. Uh, hey, you guys brought up uh, presidential immunity. Uh you know, in regards to Clinton and Obama, maybe even Biden, uh, you know, these this is something uh, that Trump was claiming in that uh, Jack Smith Chutkin case. Uh, he was claiming presidential immunity, I believe. Uh, and possibly that's why they shut it down, because they'd be opening a can of worms in that regard uh, to presidential immunity for themselves, you know. <laughs> Uh, might shut that, shut the door in their face. And uh, as far as Podesta, uh, I kind of see him as kind of like, I, I, I might be wrong. Uh, maybe they're bringing him in as the cleaning man, like the wolf in uh, Pulp Fiction. But the wolf was much cooler, of course, and not a pedo. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That could be a possibility. So, well, I'm- Adam, I, oh. I was just going to say, if you notice what they put, and I'm sure Trash is going to touch on this, um, if you notice what they put John Podesta in charge of was like the environmental stuff. And from all the work that Millie's done, we know that they're hiding a whole bunch of their nefarious shit and even like violence and taking over buildings under the guise of a environmentalists, right? So your theory about John Podesta coming up and being the cleanup guy uh, or the fixer, right? Much like, like a Ray Donovan right, is is probably spot on because that's the area where they're running a lot of this clandestine take over the government bullshit uh, against us. So go ahead, Josh. Sorry. Yeah. So I'm looking over the story. And one of the things that I was talking about when this happened, if you guys remember like Mario, I think I was still co-hosting at that time. Mario was having large spaces about the documents. And then we had spaces with like Crypto Lawyer and, and, and Shipley, Shipwrecked. And we were talking about what happened actually with NARA, which is the National Archives. And one of the things that they had put a request to, to the Secret Service at Mar-a-Lago, while Trump, after Trump left office, was, we, we need you to put a special lock on these documents. And here's the lock that we want you to put on these documents that we have access to, which he complied, which was what, which crazy that he got raided to begin with, because it was like he's been complying the entire time. Yes, I know people have told you that he hasn't, but what he actually did was NARA and the FBI went to the Secret Service that were on Trump's detail and they said, we need you to put a special lock that we're providing to you on these specific documents because we consider them classified and we want them for our archives. One of the things that I had posited early 
was that these documents were actually the cross the crossfire hurricane documents. This was the documents and evidence of, of the Russiagate bullshit, where it would actually show that like Hillary and Steele and all these people within the FBI colluded with with you know foreign intelligence agencies to create this fake Russian dossier. And I had always posited that the documents that he actually had that they wanted had nothing to do with like nuclear secrets or like war battles with Iran. It had everything to do with he actually had the physical documents proving Russiagate was false. He had all the, he had all the FISA documents. He had everything that was classified, quote unquote, um, that was not allowed to talk in public about that they built the PP tape hoax over. This is what this is what I believe that these documents were. And then about six months later, um, the story came out where NARA and the FBI actually raided Mar-a-Lago to get documents. And one of the things that they were talking about was not that it was like nuclear. They tried to say it was nuclear secrets, but it really wasn't. But what they were talking about was these are they said these are classified documents that pertain to the Obama administration. And I knew right then that they were specifically the crossfire hurricane documents because he had proof that Russiagate was bullshit. And he was going to work basically when he got back into presidency to unclassify them, declassify them and then put them out in the public and show how our FBI, our FISA courts, our DOJ and ambassadors colluded together with the intelligence community to make a false story and a false dossier, including Lisa Page and all these people um, to say that that Trump was a Russian asset, including the hack, supposedly, quote unquote, at Trump Tower on the server. And so he, I believe, and I still believe to this day that that's what they were looking for. And I also believe that all the documents that they took on the Smart Lago raid did not actually contain that information, including the quote unquote binder that they're looking for that has all this proof. And I think that's why they're trying to reopen this is because they didn't get it when they went through all of this and they're trying to get it as if he has it there. Yeah, Jen, go ahead. But like, this is, I'm actually glad we're talking about this. This is actually an important story. Let me go back to the Gateway Pundit story again and just make sure that I'm reading it correctly. But this is what it seems like to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here and it sounds like we could definitively um, sum up everything that happened, you know, including COVID, including like changing the laws with the mail-in ballots, including uh, what happened on election night in 2020, including what happened on January 6th, including what happened on uh, in January of 2021, um, is the fact that what they did is they they put a plan in place. They carried out that plan to a T almost, right? Because we have all the documents of them planning it and the videos, right? And then what they did is they used January 6th to blame Trump supporters which gave them the ammunition they needed to open up congressional hearings where they then subpoenaed all of the Trump people, right? Told us if we didn't turn over documents and, and, and our phone calls and all of this that we were going to get uh, put in prison, right? They were going to hold us in contempt of Congress. They collected all those documents and, and they are actually running a cleanup operation to cover the tracks of what they did in 2020. I, I agree. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Like the, the, the this is basically it seems to be this missing binder of proof that Trump did nothing wrong and that it was all lies. That may be one thing. But like I'm reading this story right now and like let me go back over it real quick. I think this is really important to note, Jen, especially with what you were just talking about. So Gateway Pundit put out this article. I believe it was Christina Layla. And this is on today, actually just a couple hours ago. 
And it's called another no, arrangement in either of these spaces or whether Smith's team ever considered seeking another warrant to search Mar-a-Lago against Trump falters. According to a leak to ABC News, Jack Smith's prosecutors have questioned witnesses about, quote, hidden rooms and locked closet inside Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. The hidden rooms and locked closet were not searched by federal agents when Biden's FBI raided Trump's Florida residence in August 2022. Yes, of course. Uh, sources told ABC News that Trump had the lock on the closet changed while his lawyer searched for classified documents in the, in the store. So what, what they're saying is, and, and I want to remind people of this story because the narrative is going to be that Trump had the locks changed. Yes, he did. At the request of NARA, the, the National Archives, saying and talking to his, his Secret Service, we need you to put this special lock on your documents that we have access to. And this was at request of NARA and the FBI. But what they're saying now, they're trying to spin it and saying that, oh, yeah, no, Trump uh, changed the locks. Um, Trump changed the locks. And and so therefore we didn't get everything. Yeah, they changed. He, he actually complied with what NARA requested. And then they brought charges and a, and a, and a search warrant against him for doing it. And now they're saying, well, yes, of course, he did change the locks. And this is troublesome because there's a hidden room between Trump's bedroom and, and another area. Therefore, there must be documents in there because they didn't get what they were looking for, i.e., in my opinion, just my opinion, the 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 crossfire hurricane documents that I believe he has. And they say it's, quote, it's unclear if Trump ever kept any classified documents in either of these spaces or whether Smith's team ever considered seeking another warrant to search Mar-a-Lago again, ABC News said. Jack Smith is now trying to determine whether there still might be more classified documents at Trump's estate. The special counsel's prosecutor questioned witnesses about so-called missed spaces in the months leading up to Trump's July 2023 indictment. This is so this is like a Hail Mary for Jack Smith. And Jen, I'm coming to you. This seems to be like a Hail Mary using the actual facts that we've been talking about since last August when they did the raid uh, in well, I'm sorry, August of 2022, when they did the raid. And they're basically trying to now twist it, saying he changed the lock. Yes, he did, because he complied with what the National Archives asked. And now they're trying to spin it as in we need to search it again because we did not get the documents we were looking for. That's what this looks like to me. And it's a, it's a Hail Mary because, again, both cases, Judge Cannon in Florida paused his case there. Chutkin had to because there is now a, a, in the Court of Appeals whether or not he actually has presidential immunity or not. So, again, we're going full circle, 360 degrees, a year and a half later. The exact same arguments that we made when all this shit went down to begin with, they're now trying to weaponize and use against us in that same argument. And it's going to fail. This is a Hail Mary, Jen. They're done. That's what it looks like to me. Well, I thought they were done last night with the announcement that the case was being indefinitely suspended, um, which is probably why they're throwing this Hail Mary. But what I want to look at is I want to look at the powers of the president halfway through Obama's term. Then look at the powers of the president when Obama or when Trump got into office to see what Obama changed in his administration in between that time. And then let's think of Donald Trump leaving office on January like 20th, 2021. Um, and him knowing all of this, him knowing that they legitimately like stole the election, which would put these people in like, what not like a terrorist person but like a, a like they're taking over the country they shouldn't be here kind of thing right 
and 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 him like having to do what's best for the american people while navigating the laws that were put in place to stop him from using the power of the presidency in order to expose and do something in in such a situation as we find ourselves in now no i i 100 agree i'm gonna go ahead and retweet this so i can access it from my uh, from my uh computer uh but jen to this point that we're talking about here i think we're both on the same page apparently two hours ago America First Legal and and shout out to America First Legal. Like they're doing the real work over there. America First Legal is absolutely fucking legit. Like these guys and Stephen Miller and all these people that fucking killing it. Well, apparently they put out a thread two hours ago about the very thing that we're talking about. And so I actually shared it up in the nest. If you guys want to take a look at it, I've got it right here. And in the in the first tweet, it says explosive DOJ's political prosecution persecution of President Trump by special counsel Jack Smith claims POTUS retained classified documents that he was allegedly not authorized to possess. But new revelations drive a giant hole through the entire sham prosecution. New information uncovered from the litigation reveals that the President Obama's secretive information control policy applied to the National Security Council. (laughs) And the NSC is a key advisor to the President of the United States. Think, you know, situation room, right? And maintains a substantial amount of classified information. Obama's order created the President's Information Technology Community, the PITC, of which America First Legal has publicized. And this is a thread back from January 30th. I'm going to go through that here in a minute. Let me finish off this thread and I'll go back to what they put out on the 30th, which I missed because I've been traveling. Um, Obama entered into agreements called the Memoranda of Understanding, or MOUs with executive branch entities who provided information to the president to ensure such information was subject to the president's, the president's exclusive control. In the, NS, the National Security Council's MOU under the PITC, the National Security Council agreed that the president controlled information on the TNET or the SNET systems. These are classified information systems. And there's a screenshot here right from that filing. This is crazy, Jen. Under the PITC, the the, the Defense Department hosts the White House's servers. DOD also runs the White House Communications Agency, which is how the president interfaces with DOD over information and documents. So you were asking the question, Jen, and uh, I'm going to get back to this thread, but you were asking the question, what policies changed? What was put in place under Obama's administration into Trump's administration and I think that's exactly what America First Legal is talking about here. And just for the this record, was, I had not seen this tweet until you just said that. That was me just being like autistic. So. Right. <laughs> no, and I'm with you, too. I, I was asking the same questions and I went ahead and checked my notifications while you were talking. And someone literally actually said, hey, look at what just came out two hours ago from America First Legal. This is exactly what you guys are assuming or what you guys are talking about. And so I think it confirms our suspicions. And I'm going to keep going through this because it's telling us exactly what we knew happened. And now we have the proof. And so, Jenny, you have your hand up. Go ahead. I'm going to get back to this thread. Well, and just to Uh, add to that, Trash. Sorry, Jenny, one second. Um, it, It would be interesting to see because it was early, early, early in 2016 uh, that it became abundantly clear that Donald Trump was going to win, right? Even though they were telling us he wasn't going to, like internal polling and and what was coming out from the campaign made it very clear that Donald Trump was going to win. So at that moment in time, when it became clear, 
what was Obama's actions, right? Because if I'm Obama and I'm sitting there, oh shit, this guy is actually going to get into the office. It's kind of like that when they stormed the embassy in Tehran in that there's like a movie about it. And in the movie, when they're, when they're climbing up the walls, all of a sudden you see people just shredding documents and burning documents. And like, that's what I'm thinking happened at that moment with Obama is when it became clear, he started destroying. And then also not just destroying, but putting into place like, uh, like negating the power of the presidency so Trump wouldn't be able. So he was pretty much neutered right off the bat. Correct. Yeah. And so the movie you're referencing is called Argo with Ben Affleck, a great movie. Go check it out where they actually had to act like they were making a movie production to get the hostages that were stuck at the embassy out of, of Tehran when they, when they stormed it and they were shredding documents and they're removing all accountability. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, this goes back to the stuff I've been talking about for two years saying, the documents that they're after are proof of crossfire hurricane and how they formulated the strategy of the steel dossier, the Russiagate hoax, and Trump had it all. And they raided Mar-a-Lago to get them. I'm, I'm telling you it's there. And this was the controls that were put in place under the Obama administration to assure that they even had a leg to stand on. They don't really, but like legally to try to have a leg to stand on to go in and try to get the documents. And they tried to basically subvert presidential immunity because they knew he had them and they still don't have them back from him. I'm certain of it at this point. Well, and listen, if you're, if you're Donald Trump, right? Like he's gangster as hell. He's been gangster as hell, like for freaking 40 years. Right. Do you really think Jack Smith that if he had that evidence, he's just going to keep it in a box in a hidden away closet? Like, you are never going to be able to get all of that information, dude. It's all coming out. It's all coming out. Like, you're screwed. Yeah, 100%. All right, Jenny, step in here, and then we'll get back to this thread, because there's actually a couple threads I want to pull on with this stuff. So go ahead. Okay, thanks, guys. Oh, my gosh. it's so. Uh, I woke up this morning uh, on my phone. I'm like, because uh, I follow a couple people on X Twitter that's like, post things from uh donald trump's true social onto like something on x i was like wait what and so i i finally i can see a glimmer of hope there's light at the end of the tunnel like wait there might be hope for our future what this is so exciting it's like awesome and it's been i've been eating it up i love knowledge and absorbing knowledge and listening to people uh talk about truth and whatnot and everything you're saying i'm just like i'm hungry for more i'm hungry for more because i've been kind of following politics with everything that's been going on since like maybe a little bit before 2020 but especially when the since 2020 and everything that's going on right now so maybe i'm not understanding it maybe i am um so it sounds like what you guys have been talking about so far and what I've been seeing on X Twitter is Trump has the dirt on the evil, corrupt left. And uh, he has proof about how they did the coup d'etat on the left. Um, and for a while now, I've been hoping that Donald Trump can dismantle the Uniparty and expose the evil corruption so that we can take back and make a better America, a better world for our future generations and future. Yeah. So Jenny, I appreciate you. Yeah. And uh, like, so Jen, 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 myself and Millie Weaver specifically, um, she was investigating the Sunrise Zoom calls back in 2020. She had somebody inserted into this movement. I'll explain what this means in a second. Um, 
And basically they recorded these sunrise zoom calls where it was like a collaboration between these horizontally aligned affinity groups like BLM, Shutdown DC, Antifa, uh, the Sunrise Movement, many of these groups. And they essentially devised this plan based on the Transition Integrity uh, uh, Project, the TIP, where they wargamed how the election would go and then what they were going to do. They're going to take to the streets. They're going to cause violence. They're going to prevent Congress from meeting. And so I, I'm sure Trump has a lot of proof of the coup that's been running since 2016, since he got elected. But a lot of things that we're talking about, we actually have the proof of it as well. So we were talking about the CTI League files, how SJ Turk met in the Obama White House to devise the censorship and psychological operations that were going to be run on, on, on social media. We had Norm Eisen and Michael McFall, who are color revolution extraordinaires. They've both written books on this, how they went to work in 2017 once Trump was elected to start creating a color revolution on the American people. And they started it the day he was elected. So I don't even need Trump to have the proof because we actually have the proof already. We've been putting it out there for some time. But what, what, what we're talking about here specifically was the was the steel dossier, the Russiagate hoax. And this is where the, I believe that the documents that are included at Mar-a-Lago is what they're after. But like, maybe if you guys are listening for the first time, go to my highlights tab, go look at the recordings that we've done about the Sunrise Movement, go look at the, um, the Marxist infiltrating documents that we have about how they're doing trainings within the old government. You can look at the January 6th pipe bomb space where we broke down a lot of what the pipe bomb probably was and that Millie and myself and Jen have had spaces and, and several reporting on, on all the information of, of exactly how members in our own government, not even just Obama or whatever, that s- tried to subvert the will of the American people and created the summer of love. They created a situation where we needed mail-in ballots, and then they, they, they basically confiscated the mail-in ballot scheme and then subverted us in the 2020 election. How this all worked. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I hope Trump has all this stuff. We, I think, Jen, I mean, between all of us, <laughs> Millie, myself, you, and... A lot of the people, I'm pretty sure his team has a lot of the stuff that we've been uncovering, but we already have the proof of, of what happened. And so this is just now officially coming out on a capacity where I'm here for it because people actually have a platform that actually have, you know, resources that can legally, you know, expose this and do freedom of information and, and bring out the receipts. And Thomas Massey's on the January 6th pipe bomb story, like Darren Beatty and, and Kyle Serafin, these guys are all over it. Um, and it's 100% related. And that was plan B of what happened in plan A. And if you look at the documents that we came out with on the Sunrise Zoom calls, one of the documents called The Count on page 35, I've, been sh- I've shared it a million times, how they were talking specifically that they cannot allow Congress to meet to discuss any kind of election irregularities, because if it was heard in Congress, it would be public and then they would have to do something about it. So, yeah, no, I mean, this is, Jen, I mean, isn't this kind of what we've been talking about the like the last two years? <laughs> Yeah. And it's just for normal people, right? Like, I think it's just hard to wrap your head around the fact that they were so open and brazen uh, with what they did and, and the worst possible scenario played out and, and they really, they strong armed the American people with mafia like tactics and, and tactics from the FBI um, in order to silence people and make people afraid to speak out, to make people afraid to talk about the truth. Um, because that, like I said before, like they really are like living in this house of cards that when you start pulling and you start looking and 
you start realizing that they ha- they hid everything in plain sight um, because the internet's so vast, right? And and unless you know exactly what you're looking for, um, it is kind of difficult to find the plans. But once you know what you're looking for uh, and where to look, you realize that it's all there. And and they had to censor us. Well, first of all, they had to, uh, you know, criminalize Trump people um, and undermine them and and take away that First Amendment from MAGA people uh, because we were willing to step up and step out and say, like, listen, like something's wrong here. Like, we don't know exactly what happened, but we know this isn't what happened. Um, And then they had to censor us all um, on the Internet where we had free speech because us getting together like this. And it, it and it's not just one person, right? It's not just Millie. It's ju- not just myself. It's not just Dustin. It's not just trash. Like when you get those people together and then a group gathers around those people to hear the information, you, we might never know who's in these audiences, right? Like, especially with the listening anonymously thing, but there could be some important people who just needed one little tidbit of information to put a puzzle together and to paint that picture. And and I think this should remind everybody of like how important your voice is and how important it is to tell the truth and not only tell the truth, but be brave enough to stand on the truth, even if you're standing alone. No, Jen, 100%. Um, the, I, you know, I don't think that it's coincidence that Millie, myself, you, and many other people have been attacked relentlessly over the last few months. And it's still, it's not stopping with me. I mean, I got a guy out there that's unearthing photos of my ex-wife from 14 years ago, like as if that's some kind of own, like how stupid can you possibly be? But again, that's the desperation because I think what we're doing is effective. Now, whether or not these people with large platforms or voices or people that are running hearings, whether or not that our information makes it there or we get credit for it, I don't give a shit. I actually don't need the credit for it because the group of people that I interact with the people that follow me understand that yes we've been talking about this for years and months and so if it makes it to the broad populace and somebody else takes credit for it cool i don't care about that i think millie deserves a lot of credit and i think that that's why i've been standing behind her so much and 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 her and i become close friends because i I wouldn't allow people to attack her and i knew that she was telling the truth and i knew that she had the receipts and and literally a lot of con inc actually ganged up against her and tried to silence her themselves, not to mention the censorship apparatus, not to mention. That were trying to gatekeep the information and then slowly leak it out as if they controlled it and then change the narrative of what the information actually meant. So I'm just happy that she's finally having her day in the sun. I'm here for it. And I'm going to keep supporting my friend because what she's brought is truth and receipts. And she took a lot of fire. Jen and Dustin took a lot of fire for being voices of truth when no one else was telling the truth. And so that's why we're here today. And I'm telling you, I'm taking a victory lap for them because, you know, the latest attacks on me are irrelevant to what's happened over the last four years that happened to Millie, that happened to Jen and Dustin, that happened to a lot of Americans that were speaking the truth, that were stepping up and saying, no, we've got this. But the power was still too strong in the other direction. Well, that's breaking now. And so we're going to keep talking about this. But uh, yeah, Jen, go ahead. Yeah, and I, I, we can't stop talking about it, right? Because 
once people start to realize like, oh my God, like, wait, this actually happened. This actually happened right now. All of the pieces that we've been putting out there forever kind of coalesce together in this picture. Um, much like I said before of like how they use COVID, how they change the voting laws, how they used election night with the dropping of the ballots and the water main breaks and, and the count stop counting of the votes. Right. And, and then, you know, what happened leading into January 6th and like even on the bus tour where we were literally attacked multiple times, we had to have really expensive private security at all times escorting us everywhere uh, because our bus was being run off the road. We had people show up at events with mauled off cocktails and chains trying to attack us. And all the while, the left is sitting there saying, oh, these people are crazy. Like, that's not happening. What are they talking about? Right. And then you had the Gretchen Whitmer thing, right, which I really want to highlight. And I don't want people to forget that they literally staged a, a kidnapping plot of a government official, the governor of Michigan, right, leading into January 6th, where that played out on a national scale, where they tested that plan to see if would MAGA come to their assistance? Would would what would happen? And they they realized that they had to in order to keep people quiet, right? Because their threats leading up until there wasn't keeping people quiet, and they had to vilify everybody. Well, Jen, don't forget. Guess who was the ADIC, the ADIC in charge in that office in Michigan? It was Duantuano. The same Duantuano that was also in charge of the FBI in Washington, D.C., overseeing the January 6th bombing case and the, and the January 6th, quote unquote, insurrection. The same Duantuano that was in charge at the time in Michigan over the, the Whitmer case, which we found through litigation and court cases that most of it was comprised of feds that were basically fed posting each other. And some random guys were like, OK, I guess we're going with this. So like the entrapment case, when all their cases were dropped in Michigan, the ADIC in charge was Duantuano, the same person in charge of D.C. It was transferred to D.C. ahead of January 6th and the pipe bombing case. The same dude. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Well, and, and if you can't like, make it up. Well, if we're looking at, you know what really bothers me, Trash, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it, and it's been like two weeks, is when we were going over all of the January 6th uh, information a couple weeks ago, and we brought up the sergeant at arms that was on duty, like he was a sergeant of arms on January 6th, and I had said in the space, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy was murdered getting out of an Uber um, in Washington, D.C., like right the day before he was supposed to testify um, in one of the court cases about what happens. This motherfucker gets gunned down in the middle of the street. Well, and then you looked it up and you're like, no, Jen, he died of natural causes. And I was like, holy shit, Jen, like, how did I get that so wrong? Like, are you like, girl, what is happening here? Right. And then Aaron or someone comes in the space and he's like, oh, yeah, when the sergeant of arms was gunned down in the middle of the street. And I'm like, holy shit, guys, they are literally changing the story, covering up this man's murder. And he was the key to everything that happened at the Capitol on January 6th. 
the day before he was supposed to testify under oath about what happened. Like, do you guys not see they are literally murdering people over this shit? Sorry, I'm pulling up the document called The Count, where I'm going to actually talk about the sergeant at arms and what they plan to do on January 6th, where I'm going to kind of bring this home. So, AJ, go ahead and step in while I pull this document up. I think everything we're talking about will make a lot of sense. Awesome, Trash. Thank you, brother. Uh, thank you, Jen and Adam. Uh, everyone that's in this room, you're amazing. Um, it's been a minute. I I was off of X for a little while. Um, I'm back. And um, I got to say, your spaces have gone from really good to freaking excellent. Like, I did not want to leave since I've been in here. Um, but my, I just wanted a point of clarification. What is that word, ADICT? Is that an acronym? I'm Googling that. I can't find. What does that mean? Do you mean Trash is grabbing that document. Um, oh, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah. Give me one second. I'll explain it to you exactly. So uh, friend of my, uh, Kyle Serafin, some of you guys might know him. He is the F FBI whistleblower. Uh, and he was pointing out to Antuano uh, what his role was. And specifically the ADIC. Uh, what that is, it's basically, it stands for, so Stephen Antuano was technically my, his, this is his tweet. We had a space about it. Kyle and I did. But the ADIC is essentially the, was it assistant director in charge, I think is what it stands for. Um, and so he's basically like, basically the guy underneath the FBI director in a specific region or case. So an ADIC is a, maybe it's a assigned director in charge. It's one of those things, but he's a high, the highest ranking in a specific. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. While you're pulling up your document, I'll just say very briefly, just 30, 45 seconds. Um, I am very excited because I finally got my dad to join Twitter. For those of you who don't know my dad, that's William Wagner. He's the former host and producer of a, a public access television program that we worked on together. He's got a lot of knowledge bombs to drop. So if I do invite him in the room, if you'd be so kind, if he requests to speak, um, you could bring him up. Um, he's still a little bit tech, le learning the technology. So you might, and he can go for a long time with all of his knowledge. So you might need the mute button or you might kind of need to coach him. But um, I'm very excited that we're all networking together and I'm really happy to be here. So thanks a lot. Thanks, AJ. Appreciate you. Yeah, my dad came up and spoke in a space the other night. So I, I know how you feel. It's exciting. Uh, especially like my dad was super, super involved in politics when I was younger. Uh, so it, it, it's kind of good because a lot of the stuff that we're dealing with isn't new, right? It's just the faces of the people carrying out, you know, carrying the water for these people might change. Totally agree. And, you know, we haven't lost our country yet, which is the really good, um, I didn't even, shouldn't even say the word yet. Uh, because we're all taking a stand and the the way they set it up with the constitution if we just know the law we stand on the law peacefully like an actual peaceful protest wink wink um we can take back america and that was actually one of the programs the title of one of the programs that we had on the public access channel he had a on second thought and he had a second tv show called take back america awesome well thanks for coming up aj you ready trash yeah so down in the chat, um, we're, we were talking about the Sergeant of Arms at Sergeant at Arms, and I want to point you guys to this, this document. So this document came out of the Sunrise Zoom call investigations, and this is something that Millie, she deserves a Pulitzer for, um, that was one of the most suppressed and, and censored stories in 2020, uh, as we saw in the Twitter files, and it was the Sunrise Zoom calls. Well, we're talking about it again because it's absolutely relevant for 2024, and they're basically instituting the same kind of plan 
as the Transition Integrity Project, as the Count, as the Sunrise Zoom calls, and all these different affinity groups, they're going to try to do the same thing this year as well. Because why? Because they're so stupid, number one, that they can't come up with a new plan. Number two, technically it worked, so they're going to try to pull it off again. But up in the nest, down in the chat, I took a, a, an excerpt from page 35. And if you guys remember, we were talking about the sergeant at arms uh, and how he was <laughs> murdered. And they tried to rewrite the story about he died in natural causes, but he was actually murdered. I, I believe they were saying it's a carjacking or like he was being robbed or whatever. And he fought back and he was killed. But they're trying to astroturf it saying that he died in natural causes. But if you look, the reason I'm bringing this up is because this document specifically called the count. And we had a space about it last year. I say last year, last December. We did a big space on it. We were talking about the Sunrise documents. We were kind of breaking down essentially what I believe was a color revolution on the American people. And the Sunrise Zoom calls were were this. It was, and I actually, matter of fact, I will, matter of fact, to preface this document, Jen, I think what I'll do is actually play um, Millie's little three-minute video that she put together um, introducing the Sunrise Zoom calls and what they were. Uh, I think it would be very, very pertinent for what we're about to move into. So let me go. Let me go pull that up real quick. Um, but if you guys want to take a look at the document that I put down in the chat up in the nest on page 35. I'm going to cover it as soon as I play this, but I want people to get familiar with what the Zoom Sunrise Zoom calls actually meant and why it was such an important story that needed to be censored and banned from from Twitter at that time. So, Jen, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll go ahead and play that now. It's it's like, it's Millie's clip. It's only about two minutes. But it's a good introduction as to what this actually means. I know we've covered this in many spaces. Some of you guys are listening. You're like, Aaron, we've heard this. We've heard it a million times. Yes, I know. But there may be somebody that does not know what the hell we're talking about. So let me play this clip, and then I'll get into what that document is. All right? Here we go. All right, Millie, take it away. Inside the Sunrise Movement was able to obtain exclusive video footage inside Zoom chat where shutdown DC, BLM, and other leftist organizations are coordinating a multi-level coup action exercise utilizing insider help from Democrat Party members as well as federal employees and intelligence contractors. I'm a management and programs analyst. I work in the national security community. I spent three and a half years um, as a contractor at DHS HQ. If you read the mainstream press, like they all have signal accounts, text them, speak everything you can. The journalists I've dealt with have been super ethical in ways to shield me to be the source of the leaks. Groups on the outside being able to show uh, solidarity with federal workers, making sure that we're naming what is happening as a coup. Totally agreed in the shutdown DC conversations that I've been having and that's not on the federal side. We um, also are often saying that we call it a coup. They plan to shut down Washington DC and other major US cities starting November 4th until inauguration day. Do we have any plans for how to respond if there's a coup? Come to BLM Plaza um, anytime after 4 p.m. on election night. On the 5th, we're going to uh, shut down the White House. Map the White House and know every access point so we knew we could blockade it. On the 6th, we're going to shut down uh, larger parts of Washington, D.C. We've been working on a target map and a framework for scenario. So where are all the police stations? Where are all the key government buildings? Who are the pump boosters? 
members of Congress that are coming in. Um, we're going to move them to the airports or Union Station um, and send them back to where they came from until we deal with the, the situation we're in. We are going to be in a crisis, but we want it to be one that we are creating. Whoever's got the guns can win. Let's take over the buildings. If there are people that are willing to do that, we should support them. Get ready to shut your city down on the 4th or the 5th. Regardless of who wins, the left plans to take over. So that was some clips from the Sunrise Zoom call investigation. That was, you You were hearing current and former members of the government, DHS, Intel community. You're hearing people talk on behalf of uh, BLM, shut down DC, the Sunrise Movement. And basically they had organized this plan that no matter what happens on election day, we're going to shut down DC and we're going to, we're going to riot and, and protest and prevent basically any Congress people from coming in from out of state with election interference problems to be heard on the congressional floor on January 6th. And so one of the documents that, that a lot of this was built off of was called the count. And this was by uh, the, the Zach, uh, Zach Malitz and, and uh, Becky Bond. Rosa Brooks, who came out of the the Obama administration, John Podesta was actually part of this. He actually played Joe Biden in these game, uh, these tabletop exercises. Uh, many of these of these left wing affinity groups were directly related to each other. They conspired to have this plan to prevent Congress from meeting and hearing election irregularity uh, hearings. And so the document on page thirty five called the count, which is down in the chat up in the nest. On page thirty five, they say it explicitly. Democrats in Congress must use every constitutional, procedural, and political means necessary to delegitimize Trump's to usurp the presidency, up to and including voting in unison against any Republican effort to count Trump's electoral college votes, ordering the sergeant-in-arms to remove Republicans from the House chamber, boycotting the electoral college count, and staging protests inside the Capitol to make it physically impossible for Congress to meet. Well, it just so happens that these same people, these same groups seem to start breaking windows and Ray Epps started getting people to break the barrier at the same time where where, where uh, Gozar was actually going to be st- starting to talk about on the Congress floor about the Arizona voting irregularities at the same time. What happened? Because they entered because they entered the Capitol, because all the electronic doors flung open, Capitol Police were waving people in. Ray Epps is encouraging people to break through the barrier. They all broke through. Congress had to disperse. And by the time they came back, they didn't have any hearings on any irregularities. And they accepted the Electoral College count and it was over. This is what they did. Trash, can I just one point of clarification on that? I believe if and please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, that they were evacuating the Capitol, not because it was being overrun, but because of the pipe bombs, quote unquote, that were found. Uh, they had issued an evacuation of the Capitol, uh, which just so happened to come at the time of the uh, floor getting interrupted, which pushed all the senators and the congressmen into the hallways where the people were running in. Plan B, the stuff that everyone's talking about now, Kyle and everybody's talking about the, the pipe bomb and Darren Beatty. And Dan Bongino, I put this out the week before I left out of town because he touched on it. He says, was the pipe bomb plan B? It absolutely was. What was Kamala Harris doing at the DNC where the supposed pipe bomb was? Why was it never brought up? Why did Kamala Harris never talk about it? Like the woman is, is, is a champion at being a victim, right? 
It's all about the victim mentality and the victim narrative. And yet she never talked about the pipe bomb at the DNC. What was she doing at the DNC? She was supposed to be celebrating an electoral victory as the first black woman vice president. Why was she at the DNC having a meeting? Well, I believe that the pipe bomb was plan B. And I think it's only a matter of time before Steve Baker or Darren Beatty or Kyle Serafin or all these guys, Thomas Massey, get to the bottom of it. But they're all talking about it. But the reason that they didn't need it was because plan A worked and they were able to breach the Capitol and stop Congress from meeting. Like this is this is what is clear to me. Now, granted, a lot of these people that are talking about this stuff, they're not bringing up the stuff that Millie uncovered and myself uncovered where we're talking about the count. But they are talking a little bit about the Transition Integrity Project, but they're not talking about the Sunrise Zoom calls and all these groups that had met to create this chaos in D.C., but they're talking about the pipe bomb and why Kamala Harris was at the DNC and not celebrating at the Capitol. That was plan B. I think we'll get there. Go ahead, Jen. Yeah, so Trash, do you want to just, uh, hey, Millie, thanks for coming uh, do you want to just reset the room um, and kind of go over what the breaking news is? Um, and if everybody could retweet the space, we'd appreciate it. And thanks, Millie, for being here. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, I'm glad to be here, guys. I, I wasn't aware you guys were starting the space right now. I thought it was going to be at eight or something. I guess I didn't get the memo. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's. Uh, I guess you guys are just going over the information in the count right now, it seems like. and possibly going over uh, Jack Smith and his case and, and what's happening with that. I mean, catch me up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically we, we started because there's some news that it's possible that Jack Smith, obviously his case is on, on indefinite, like basically on hold essentially. So they're no longer going to pursue it. Judge Cannon in Florida has put the case on hold. Uh, Chutkin had to put it on hold in DC because it's in the court of appeals of whether or not that Trump has, presidential immunity or not. So that question needs to be answered before they can even move forward. So basically, both these cases have been put on hold. And the Gateway Pundit is reporting um, that it's possible they're thinking like another raid is coming because Jack Smith had leaked to the ABC News that there are hidden rooms that the FBI didn't search at Mar-a-Lago. Therefore, vis-a-vis, there must be documents there that we need to find. And I had posited, just like I posited back in August of 2022, that the documents that they actually raided Mar-a-Lago over had nothing to do with NARA and the archives. It had everything to do with evidence of Crossfire Hurricane and Obama's involvement and all these people where he actually had proof of the 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 creation, the, the genesis of the Russiagate hoax. And he had all these documents and that's what they were raiding Mar-a-Lago for. The other part of this that I had gotten to was, if you guys remember, what they're saying, what, what Jack Smith is saying in the story is that there was a special lock that was put on these documents that they did not have access to that was put on by Trump. They say, in addition to the closet, the FBI also didn't search what authorities have called a hidden room connected to Trump's bedroom. And that, and that there was a special lock that was changed at the last minute before the FBI raided. But what they're doing is they're twisting the truth in that NARA, the National Archives, had actually requested the Secret Service to put a special lock on the classified documents and Trump and his team actually complied with the request by NARA to put a special lock on these special documents. And so what they're, what they're trying to do now is twist it by saying, Oh no, there was a special lock. We didn't get to it. We didn't get to investigate it. They want to go back in because they didn't get the documents that they're looking for. I believe crossfire hurricane. So now fast forward 
and and you and you're looking at this story like all these all these cases are failing, and then you're looking at the collusion of government against Donald Trump, and this is kind of where we were at, where we were also then getting into the same people that are involved at NARA, the same people that are involved in our DHS, in our government, were the same people that are also connected with the Sunrise Zoom calls and the stuff that you had, had covered in 2020 that was one of the most suppressed stories out there. And that's kind of how we've made our way to like the J6 pipe bomb plan A, plan B uh, dichotomy. So Millie, I think that that should catch us up. Okay, well, thanks for kind of uh, catching me up to what you guys were talking about so far in spaces. Um, I guess my take on the situation that's been unfolding with the Fannie Wills case and Jack Smith case, it, it just seems like the whole thing seems to be conveniently falling to pieces right now. And, you know, I can't help but wonder if it has something to do with this information that, you know, I've been diligently working to get towards Trump and his attorneys because, man, oh, man, would that not be fun for them to have to play out in court, right? Because, mind you, his case has everything to do with January 6th, right? So his lawyers could totally put the information that I have in the, the document, the count, could have the, the Zoom recordings of these groups talking about taking over the buildings and everything else they were talking about doing in their Zoom calls, including the ones with the federal you know, bureaucrats subverting Trump, right? And that would open up a whole bunch of subpoena power discoveries and getting people to make have to come and literally take the stand and be questioned and interrogatories and that's just not going to be fun for them is it um so i i think that it's kind of interesting that these cases are just all conveniently being sabotaged or falling to pieces right now uh right you know it just to me the timing seems impeccable that this is all falling apart and hey maybe it's all coincidence right maybe but i don't know it, this is why i think that the democrats are panicking so hard there was like a noticeable shift after this information started going viral about the federal employees and at, in, at the same time the pipe bomber op was was you so get it you so get it, Millie. That's the one piece I left out, Millie, was the, 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 the camps are shifting. The Obama people within the White House have no power. That's why John Podesta was replaced John Kerry as the climate czar, because they're trying to move Hillary's camp back into it because they're panicked because everything is shifting. That's the one thing I didn't tell you on the recap of what we were talking about. And you fucking nailed it. Of course you did. Yeah, because I'm, I'm paying attention to what's going on around me. And, and you see Hillary Clinton do that video recently where she's like, Indivisibles, the Republicans are going to try to steal the election. And she's like in a panic, right? Trying to call people like, we need your help. Meanwhile, the Democrats are imploding, okay? The Democrat base is imploding. So the sh shutdown DC the leftist affinity groups that helped them pull off the steal of the election in 2020 have turned on the Biden administration. And they've been protesting the Biden admin, the DNC. I mean, just go look at some of the stuff I, I shared today on my X page or Twitter page. Um, you'll see that literally the Democrats, like they're calling him Genocide Joe. That is their new name for Joe Biden. It's Genocide Joe. They're protesting Nancy Pelosi. They're going and shouting her out and, and bird dogging her at events. And same with Biden. So 
they are losing a grip and Pelosi's so panicked that she actually went in on a, a on a news interview and started claiming that uh these pro-Palestinian protesters which are leftist protesters groups like shut down DC that they're being backed by Russia and this is Putin this is Russia and and she was calling she called for the FBI to look into their financing and I'm thinking oh wow okay which mind you this is the Democrats establishment Democrats turning on the, their monster that they created which of course I'm sure that monster was only allowed to run around so long as they had a chain around its neck that they could yank or pull at any time but the reality is is just that these it's all crumbling it's falling apart they are they are in an utter panic right now that trump is going to actually win there's a there is a path to victory for trump and these cases coming down that was exactly what needed to happen next thing is we just have to you know i've got a team of people that i'm working with in the background here of amazing people grassroots people journalists researchers and we're coming together with this plan to make sure that these guys aren't going to be able to pull off the theft that they did in 2020. So, you know, I just, I, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm bada ba ba ba. I'm loving it. <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> well, Millie, you know, the conclusion that like, I think through all of this, I, I truly like cemented in my mind today is that everything from COVID to the election night to January 6th, all of that happened. Right. And when January 6th happened, it gave them the ammo that under the Biden administration, they would be able to open up these inquiries, these committees in order to collect all the evidence that was out there and take it in and delete it as like a purely cleanup operation for what they had pulled off in order to then in turn win the 2024 election using the same tactics because we wouldn't have been able to expose uh, everything that they did uh, before the 2020 election. I just, I love, yes. And I just love the fact that like Millie, without missing a beat, even though she wasn't here, Jen, in the beginning of the space, to like slide right in and, and reaffirm exactly what we were talking about when we led this space off. Guys, it's been a hell of a year for January 2024. That's the name of the space. But um, no, like it's all crumbling and I'm here for it. And I think that, you know, Millie, and then myself and Jen, we've all laid the case of exactly what the hell we're talking about. We've been talking about this for, I mean, Millie's been talking about it since 2020, but we've revisited it over the last year and a half and breaking down the different pieces, whether it's censorship, whether it's the affinity groups, whether it's these protest groups, whether it's the entire apparatus that, that uh, Hillary built, you know, with David Brock and Media Matters and, and Norm Eisen and Mark Elias and the Lawfare Groups, Pro 65 Project and Michael Teeter, Ray Epps, like, We've been covering this for some time, and I think this is a last-ditch effort. That's the reason they put Podesta in as climate czar to get him near Biden. I, I think that's what it is, because they are crumbling and they have nowhere else to turn, and all of their tools that they've been wielding against the average Americans, including conservatives with loud-ass mouths like myself, is, is failing. Yeah, Jen, go ahead. Well, and we'll get to the yeah, I, I kind of just like had this, like I don't know, not like kind of like a eureka moment, right? I remember when Millie and I were like first, like at, back in like 2021, trying to sit down and explain all the different parts that 
we had and 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 stuff that like we knew happened but we might have not had like all the information to like back up the receipts at that moment right but you know it was happening and unless you have all of the different pieces where you can then link them together you really look like a crazy person talking about the Democrats like taking over the government and kicking Trump out of office. And, and oh my God, like, let me tell you what happened on January 6th. Blah, 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 blah. Right. But once you have those linking pieces where you can kind of create this like mosaic of once you step back, you're like, holy shit, this is the whole plan. There was an overarching plan. And, and y'all, like, they siloed us, they censored us in order for that plan never to be able to be put together and presented in a way that would expose what they had did in all of these various sectors, right? Even including the medical sector through COVID. Um, and a lot of times these bureaucracies and these sectors of our, our, our lives don't ever interact and, and you don't really know how to talk to different people in different sectors sometimes because like you just don't interact and 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 that is what they were banking on um and and, and that is why they they vilified and and criminalized maga people is so that the people in these other places that aren't involved in politics would look at this and be like oh they have a criminal record oh they got subpoenaed by congress Oh, they have court cases against them. Like, we can't listen to them. They are bad people. And everything they said should be nullified, right? But they didn't They didn't expect everybody just to overlook all that shit, right? Like, oh, okay, cool. He got arrested. Like, let's see his mugshot. Oh, cool. You got subpoenaed and raided by Congress. Cool. Like, tell us the story. Let's get the story out there. They didn't expect that. And I think, like, that part of humanity is where we really need to emphasize. It's, well, and yeah, oh. and Jen, real quick, if I can, Emil, I just want to add a caveat. It wasn't just the left. It wasn't just normies. It wasn't just the establishment. It was Con Inc. that worked in conjunction with a lot of these people to do the very same things to vilify and to and to shut down people who would you would say are on the right that were talking about this, that were investigating it. I mean, how many people? that you would consider like allies on the right went after Millie. There was a lot. And like, if we really want to have a conversation about con Inc and what's really going on over on the right influence in influence sphere, we can start to get to the bottom of it. Cause it wasn't just the left. It wasn't just the progressive grassroots left. It wasn't just the establishment rhino and establishment Dems. It was actually supposed to, it was also the supposed counterculture, right? That also, Felt now whether it was on accident or on purpose, whether it was for a paycheck or simply misunderstanding, people on the right joined in on this, and that's where it got crushed. That's an uncomfortable truth, but it is what it is. Well, you know, to to kind of add to that, to be specific here, um, a lot of the sequestration of this information is basically the the fault, I will say, of. The deep state conservatives. How about that? I mean, we talk a lot about Con Inc., but let's talk about the deep state conservatives. 
those who run around as running around saying that their former intelligence or formerly worked for the swamp, former deep state, but now they're good. We can all trust them now. They used to lie for a living. That was their career to lie to everyone and to work to do evil things. But now they're good. And now we can trust them. Right. So there, there seems to be a whole lot of uh, people that sprung up on the scene and they were offering uh you know what they would say is oh giving you good you know intelligence on subject matters but the reality is is they had their own agenda adding their own spin so uh what what i later come to the realization of was that many of these people in the conservative movement um don't have trump's best interests at heart let's just say that they they'll never say it publicly but their actions are what is key and what they're doing behind the scenes to sequester, to deliberately attack everyone who helped Trump get elected in 2016. That's what makes it become very evident. Not only that, but when I when I started actually, thank you to um, AI facial recognition technologies that now are available, I was able to facially identify a bunch of the people, way more people in the the federal bureaucrats call than I had been prior. And what I seemed to find was there was this common thread. You know, many of these people had similar backgrounds. So either State Department, USAID, or Council on Foreign Relations was another really big one. Well, come to find out some of these conservatives, one big one in in particular that Aaron knows exactly who I'm talking about, um, Mr. CFR, I'll just refer to him as a big prominent conservative that was around Trump and close to Trump who, you know, I I took this information to thinking he was an ally of Trump and that he was going to get this information to Trump when in fact they did the exact opposite. They sequestered this information. They made sure it never got to Trump. And in fact, they had somebody going around trying to take credit for my investigation and my work and putting their own disinfo spin on it to try to corrupt the information and make it seem like there was either nothing there of significance or that they're, you know, that, that it was, you know, fake news, right? It's kind of like this, get, understand this concept. If you take around a story and you hear a couple different points about it and, and, you know, somebody presents this information, but adds in a bunch of disinfo to it, then it gets vetted by the people around Trump. And then when you take it by and you then they go, oh, I've already heard about that. Oh, yeah. You know, there's nothing there or it's been, you know, this, that and the other. Right. So, so they shoot it down before actually taking the time to look at it the proper way and look at all of the evidence and see what's actually there. So, yeah, there have been people who made me believe and made me think people around Trump. OK, gatekeepers who were going to get this information to him. And I think that the problem is, is there was too many people thinking, wow, we could use this as bargaining chips, or we could use this as our own, uh, you know, something we could utilize, right? Our own leverage. And I think that's the problem is the reality is, is that's why this information, it's finally taking this long to, to actually just try to get this to Trump is because of all of these attempts to sequester and not only that but to constantly be attacking me in my life so that i'm constantly juggling other things and not able to de- de- devote 
the amount of time and energy needed to actually try to get this up to Trump. Because mind you guys, I'm one person, right? I'm only one person. So yeah, I mean, there ha- I'm just going to make it very clear that there has been an absolute effort to prevent this info from getting to Trump and to try to sequester it, as well as sequester my main witness of this information, the guy who I had going and did, who I was paying to do the infiltrating. Okay, he was honey potted. He was put in a box. You know, he's been sequestered fully. Okay, so yeah, they really didn't like this information and they did a lot to make sure that it's only 2023. Actually, it's 2024 now. And finally, many people, many of you guys are hearing about it. And you can thank the Twitter files or the Twitter censorship that happened under Jack Dorsey and all these purple haired leftists at Twitter for partly some of the reason that this information was never able to fully go viral and get nationwide coverage because they removed, according to the Twitter files, it was, it was number eight out of the top 10 most censored stories on Twitter during the election. When I first put out this, this boiler or this video and literally guys, almost a half a million tweets were removed and censored. Okay. So yeah, this is why it took so long to finally get this information, which I'm still not fully convinced that Trump has heard about this information yet. I'm still, I'm not, because I think he'd be, it would be the only thing he'd be talking about if he had this information. Well, and Millie, how long after when you got arrested, were you trying to put this information out? Because like, not only were you like trying to put this information out, like everybody else getting censored, you were also dealing with the personal shit of them attacking you uh, with the government much like you, your position and my position are very similar in a lot of ways because like we both were freaking raided and all of this shit. And then we still were trying to get the information out and we were literally screaming into a void. That's how I felt. Oh yeah. And just to kind of give you guys a perspective. So, um, I started putting out like reports of good stuff I was getting from inside of the the sunrise and these left left wing affinity groups, um, really kind of the summer of 2020. So I'd say probably around May. So I started getting really good stuff of them um, and their coordination and what they were doing for the George Floyd protest riots and them talking, you know, instructing their people to that burning down buildings is a powerful and significant form of protesting. And they were cheering when the police building was burning after the fact. And I mean, they were doing a lot of things as well as, um, you know, and then I put out another video where they were uh, basically blackmailing Joe Biden in order to get into his administration with their hashtag me Too sexual assault stories that they had. <laughs> we actually got a, a zoom video where they were discussing, you know, all these, liberals in there discussing how they were sexually assaulted by high ranking Democrats, as well as Joe Biden, and how they were going to use that to as leverage to build power, or to gain power, and get into his uh, administration. And that's exactly what happened. Um, Right shortly after that, Biden actually signed an agreement with them to have AOC, who worked very closely with this group, and actually this group helped AOC get elected, and the leader of the Sunrise Movement were both put in regarding environmentalism and climate 
in uh, the Biden administration. So I was covering that and I was covering their pre-planning to break into Lindsey Graham's home and kick in his door. That was another really big one I put out. I mean, there's quite a few like of their clandestine operations that they were doing that I was literally putting out. So I get arrested in August uh, with a secret grand jury indictment. They had no paperwork, nothing. Um, and they just roll up uh, <laughs> really out of the blue and arrest me. And then next thing you know, I'm having to battle them. And I think they had, they actually, it was crazy because there was a lot of free Millie protesters outside of the courthouse and outside of the jail. There's a whole lot of people out there in support of me because they knew what, what this was. They could totally see it. It was a Democrat prosecutor, Victor Viglucci. Total, like everyone out here really knows that he's like a mob, like Youngstown mob type of lawyer um, for the Democrats. And so it, basically, I, they, the people in the hearing and the arraignment, I, you know, were saying, this is political, this is political, right? And they were calling up the judge and calling up the police and the judge and the police and everyone involved were getting upset. So they, so the judge goes into it and starts like yelling at me, like, you need to tell your followers to stop making death threats, you, you know, and she pretty much threatened me that if I say that she told me literally, if you say that this is a government conspiracy, I'm going to throw you right back in jail. So she said, and then right after that, they're like, and when is the trial date set for? And then she reads it off and it's freaking election day. And we're like, oh, okay. And we're not supposed to think it's political. Okay, cool. Got you. My trial's on election day. Got it. And then before, so in October of 2020, um, you know, at this point, the the prosecutor realized he messed up because that he ha they had part of the little op, they had their law enforcement officers write a false complaint that really looked like it was written for a media to pick up like it was written like a story which come on officers never take that much time to write it like a book give me a break and um and so what he they didn't realize was that when i had had a conversation with the officers i actually had my phone on record <laughs> and so what late what they later find out um was that basically I had evidence that their officers straight up made many lies and admissions and that they, they completely like fabricated a bunch of stuff. And so at that point they realized, Oh snap, they didn't have anything. But then some other really weird stuff happened where I get a email from some weirdo like saying, ha ha, I sent your, uh, DA, um, child porn and, 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 and blamed it on you and framed you. So I got like, what is this? Maybe this is just some schizophrenic hater. I don't know. I talked to my defense attorneys. They looked into it, said it's probably just a schizo, but we'll, we'll, we'll double check. C come to find out someone did actually send the, the DA child porn, which was really freaking weird. And then the FBI got involved and like a whole lot of really weird, creepy stuff happens surrounding this case, I'm just going to say. And I still don't know what to make of some of it because what they what they originally said they were charging me with on camera when I was live streaming versus when I got there were two different animals, two different things. Um, so, yeah, the whole thing was just completely 
some super bizarre thing. But then literally just just to know, I'm still trying to conduct my investigation because we're still inside of the Sunrise Movement. I had just literally right when I was getting rolled up was putting out Shadowgate, which had, you know, information regarding psyops and psychological warfare weapons being used on social media. So that's an important part to tell you, like literally was putting the documentary out that morning when I got rolled up. And then it was October 28th when we captured the uh, Feds for Democracy Zoom call, right? And in the month of October, they actually dropped every single charge against me because like, like I said, they realized they screwed up and they actually didn't have any evidence of anything and they refused to hand over any body cam footage they had. And my audio that I, in my recording, I had proved that their officers were lying. So at that point, they didn't have anything. Okay. So yeah, I mean, I went through hell. Okay. I went through hell while I was conducting this investigation, why I was trying to put out various reports and documentaries that were really pertinent. And I truly believe that had they not attacked me the way they did and caused a bunch of my conservative colleagues to very superficially, or who knows what other ulterior motives they had, turn their back on me and think that they could use it as an opportunistic moment to try to kick me down like they want to kick their competition or something. And instead, if they would have actually like, you know, supported the fact that I was being persecuted and I was one of the first people to be politically persecuted in this, you know, what was essentially a practice test of what was to come, because now we're seeing it all over the place, right? We're seeing people being politically persecuted all over the place. We know how corrupt these Democrats are. We know how they roll. All right. How you know, they'll, they'll send the J6ers to prison for 22 years. But, you know, when the leftists take over buildings, when the leftists burn down police stations, they walk free. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, this is the level of corruption we're dealing with. And, you know, it just goes to show, like, had this information, had I not been attacked so hard, had this information not been sequestered by many of our own fellow conservatives who we think are good, okay, then this could have this could have potentially been used to prevent a bunch of these J6ers from being in prison right now. Okay. This could this could have been in the hands of Trump and his people long ago. I mean, there's more that could have been done with this information had it been in the right place at the right time. But now we're here we are in 2024. I guess it's never too late, right? We still haven't confirmed that we've gotten this to Trump yet. Yeah, and I don't think it has. And I, I know that because like to your point earlier, what you said was that's all anybody would be talking about had it gotten there. It was 100 percent gate kept. Um, you brought up something, the Feds for Democracy Zoom calls meeting. You actually put a thread together before I left out of town a couple of weeks ago. This is on the 24th. So over a week ago, um, I put it up in the nest and it seems to be going viral now. Uh, wow. Yeah. Two hundred ninety nine thousand views. It's actually going. What she's talking about here is stuff that we, we had a couple spaces about. We were talking about the um, Marxist trainings of federal workers in these sessions and 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 all the people that were involved, which Millie put this thread out because we had a space and it was very, very info rich. This is stuff that she's been banging on about since 2020. And then what she had to go through when she started releasing this information. And just now it's catching on. I'm glad it's now catching on, Millie, but I'm not convinced that anybody is actually seeing it for for what it was at that time. 
which could have been prevented. And now going into 2024, the election cycle, if they're seeing it now, uh, they need to be seeing it because this is something that has been going on for years. We've been talking about it. And uh, through all the persecution that you were talking about, just go take a look for yourself, guys. These, this video with the Feds for Democracy and all these people that are involved, including Maria Stefan. If you guys don't know who Maria Stefan is, she wrote a book about color revolutions. Matter of fact, Ehud Barak, uh, the opposition leader in Israel, talked about Maria Stefan's work and how how they could get five to eight percent of the population to 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 protest and you could force a government to capitulate or completely fall. Like these same type of tactics by Maria Stefan specifically, who is in these phone calls or in these Zoom calls, these these far left U.S. government employees that were actually subverting the will. And they were talking about how the the strategic leaking of information that they would be protected by journalists at like Politico and and, and all these other all, all these other outlets. If they leaked this stuff out of the government and twisted it that they would be protected as confidential sources through these different outlets and how that would these this leaking and subversion could be done quietly and how to do it without getting arrested without how to do it without getting noticed they laid the entire thing out and that's what millie's talking about here it's up in the nest if you guys want to go take a look at it yourself but this is the stuff that we've been talking about, and I know Millie's been talking about it since 2020 and everything that she went through. We started revisiting it again last year, and we've been banging on about it for quite some time. It's only just now people are talking about the pipe bomb again that we actually get to revisit what Plan A actually was, right? I'm pretty sure that Dan Bongino is correct, and Darren Beatty has been like a rabid dog on the pipe bomb story. There are many people that have. But what they don't, what they're not talking about is what the Sunrise Zoom call investigation actually uncovered. And that is you had current and former members of the government, of DHS, of Intel community, organizing with these horizontally aligned affinity groups like BLM, Shutdown DC, Antifa, Sunrise Movement, all these people. And they were working in congruence with each other, including Allah, the Summer of Love, the January 6th, quote, insurrection, and how using utilizing the game theory that they used in the transition integrity project to be able to anticipate what they needed to do on november 4th 5th and 6th on december 12th and 14th on january 6th and january 20th to make sure number one that all the votes were counted number two that that congress could not meet to hear anything regarding election irregularities and that how they shut down any kind of hearing that congress could have on january 6th just as Gosar was about to go to the floor with the information regarding Arizona's irregularities. And we have a plenty out here. Trust me, I'm in Maricopa County. I know what we got going on out here. I'm trying to fix it, but I don't know. All of this was conspired and all of this was documented. And the thing was, is that at the time, you have to remember at that time, and you saw it in the Twitter files, Millie rep- uh, referenced this. They had complete control over the censorship apparatus. You had the Election Integrity Partnership, um, Alex Stamos, uh, Renee DeResta and Michael McFall, might I remind you, Michael McFall, ambassador to Russia, color revolution extraordinaire. Him and Norm Eisen have written books on color revolutions. The same Michael McFall was, was a fellow at the Hoover Institute at Stanford who was overseeing the election integrity partnership that then, then became the Virality Project, the censorship machine that was that was levied on the American people that no one could see this information that was being put out at that time. Even Darren Beatty at Revolver in October or September of 2020 was talking about Norm Eisen 
and, and, and Michael McFall and how they were experts in color revolutions and breaking down how they were actually using Gene Sharp's own playbook about the, the, the godfather of color revolutions. These same people were involved in the lawfare. They had 10 different cases of impeachment prior to Donald Trump even taking office. One of them included the one that they actually used that Vindman supposedly leaked that, that Donald Trump was having a, a, a conversation with, with Ukraine regarding Joe Biden's illicit act activities over there. And, and that was already drawn up by Norm Eisen and Michael Eisen and, and that entire lawfare group prior to Trump even taking office. All of this was put in play the day that Hillary lost and it never stopped. And, and we've been talking about it and we've been talking about it constantly, but the censorship machine was in full swing. The big tech companies were completely compromised. Twitter was absolutely compromised. And Vijay Gotti and, and, and Jack Dorsey, they all knew what time it was. You can look at the Missouri v. Biden case and you can see Elvis Chan's deposition. And we know through the Twitter files, that Elvis Chan was there visiting with Twitter once a week and talking about a hack and leak where they're talking about the Hunter Biden laptop story. They had complete control of this information. And so here we are in 2024, and it's got to be frustrating as hell for Millie because it's frustrating for me. And I've only gone through half of a quarter of what she's going through, although I'm going through it now. I got a bunch of people coming after me, but all because this information, if it ever got out, would have changed the entire landscape of what it looked like in the last three or four years. Well, but just wait, because and we finished January sixth. Let's just get real. We could have prevented everyone from walking into the J six trap. And then we could have possibly actually had a different outcome on January sixth. Wow, imagine that. So yeah, it's been incredibly frustrating to see. Well, this. wait. So oh, frustrating. sorry, Millie. Oh, go ahead, Jen. No, so I just want to add another level on to what you're saying, Trash and Millie. Okay, is the the Ukraine aspect of all of this, right? And 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 you can't deny, right, that this money situation with the Ukraine doesn't make sense. And if you go back to the Maidan revolution and the orange revolution in Ukraine, Norm Eisen and the same players helped and facilitated all of that shit happening, right? So then you have Joe Biden come into, they need to get Joe Biden in. They know Trump's going to win. The country was excellent. So now they got to pull some shady shit. So they were, they're sending money over to Ukraine because through FTX and, and, and uh, what's his name? Sam Bankman Freed, right? They funded a lot of what happened after the election. And because of our election laws and the way we have laws against how money is spent in politics, right? Even like the dark money is another aspect of it, but like, just to fund the candidates to carry out this coup to get the people in place that they needed in place in order to solidify the coup going into 2024, they were using Ukraine and now they're they're paying them back, I swear to God. And that's why we're seeing this exorbitant amount of money going into Ukraine because of all the shady color revolution, overthrow, govern, uh, globalist takeover crap that is coming out of Ukraine and then and and then to to solidify 2024 because they've already come out and said that they're going to run the same playbook in order to take 2024 away from Trump and that is why this information is still relevant today is because all of the same people are in place 
all of the same people are participating and 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 the vectors in which they used in order to censor and, and and criminalize the american people are still in place even though they're exposed they have to in they have to keep this going so and 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 ukraine is is bleeding the country dry exactly jen and i would just kind of uh add on like even though we're starting to see them act fearful and you know we could see that they're sweating that they seem pretty scared about trump winning and it's looking more and more like that could be what happens here but just remember when you when you have a, a cornered rabid animal they're more likely to bite right they're more likely to lash out and act more viciously so or or, or act in more desperation as well like take even more drastic measures so we have to be just still to be, that very much paying attention to what these guys are doing and, and really monitor the situation and really have our own plan and strategy going forward. I agree. And I think that part of that, Millie, is, uh, by the way, I'm glad to be back. We are we are so back. I've been gone a week. It feels like a month. But uh, we're going to keep pushing forward and we're going to keep talking about this. And like, listen, the attacks came about a month and a half ago. Millie, you and myself, we, we've been attacked like crazy again uh, by the same people. And now I'm, I'm getting doxxed again, I guess. Um, so it tells me that we should not stop talking about it because people don't want us talking about it. Um, and we're going to keep continuing about it. And I don't want to hear, oh, well, this happened in 2020. What are we going to do about 2024? Let me be clear about something, like just like Millie pointed out. This is the same playbook. And they intend to use it again. Do you know how many billions of dollars went into developing this system and this playbook and this machine that has been wielded far before the 2016 elections, right? It just went into overdrive. But at the end of the day, they can't just like pivot and create a new plan. Like it's it's fascinating when you look at the the entire breadth of what this is. When you look at the censorship piece, when you look at like the media matters um, and circular reporting fact-checking apparatus. When you look at like the Nandini jammies of the world, of, of course, you know, funded by Open Society, George Soros, that, that attack ads and try to get ad spend removed, including people like like Breitbart or, or many other people. I think they went after Crowder. I know that she went after Dan Bongino quite a bit. But you can't just rebuild this apparatus overnight. You can't rethink this plan. So like the David Brocks and the Michael Teeters of the world and crew and Norm Eisen and Mark Elias, like you can't just rebuild that overnight. And then continue, they, they have absolute intention to using these same, these same mechanisms that we're highlighting here. Just because all of us have a few thousand followers on, on X and we're talking about it, doesn't mean that anybody knows what the hell is going on. And so the, I think the only, the only thing that we can do is continue to talk about it, regurgitate it over and over again basically put into muscle memory the stuff that we're talking about here and the reports that have been going on, the stuff that Millie did, the stuff that we've uncovered and we're talking about. But I need people, if you're listening, you can share these spaces. All the, all the spaces of recordings are in my highlights tab. All the stuff that we're talking about, we've actually done deep dives on individually, not this holistic kind of conversation. You can go share that with people. All of the receipts and documents are on Millie's page, my page, Jen, in those highlight tabs, in those spaces. All the receipts are there. You can go look for yourself. You don't need to take our word for it. Go look at it yourself and you tell me what you think. The stuff that we've been coming out with, that Millie has been just like crushing it with, that we finally have the ability to have the conversation with people and actually wake them the fuck up, um, is 
we got to keep going. I, I don't know what else to do. And people ask me, well, what are you going to do about it? Fucking nothing, dude. Like I'm a dude in Arizona. Like I, I'm not a politician. I don't make policy. I have no national journalistic profile, but the shit's there. So if you want to know what you can do with it, you can share it with somebody that doesn't know about it. You can share it maybe with your buddy at a legacy media place that actually is open to, to reporting on the information. I don't know. I try to give this stuff to Congress people when they ask me for it, and it does, but it's very esoteric, and you have to break it down into bite-sized pieces. But I'm trying. And so I, I just, anyway, just kudos, shout out to Millie, and, and I, I'm just glad that the squad is back. We're back, and we're going to fucking crush it. Yeah. Well, you know, Aaron, the biggest frustration to me is is every time I keep being told, can you, like, can you summarize it into, you know, a, a five-second, ten-second you know, talking point, or can you put it into like one sentence or one tiny paragraph, right? Because that's all the leaders have time for, right? That's all the people running the ship, running the show have time for They don't have time to sit down and actually learn what's going on. They just want a little a sentence. And and that, to me, is the most frustrating part. It's because these guys didn't do this in such a way that it could be put in a 10-second talking point. These guys did it in a way that it actually might take you quite a little while to sit down and, and uh, figure out what they did. They do it in a complicated way, intentionally and on purpose. So unfortunately, the the leaders, the you know our representatives, the people sitting at the helm of these big media outlets, they don't want to take the time to actually learn what happened. They'd rather sit up there and pontificate and act like they know what happened and act like they know what's going on, but they don't actually want to sit down and learn what these guys did, and it blows my mind. So the the biggest frustration, the biggest wall we are up against is getting the people in the conservative movement's time of day. That's the biggest wall we're up against because they don't want to give the time of day. They want you to you know, put it down. So how would I put this down in one sentence? Hey, this is what I've said. We have the names and the organizations and the people who stole the election and did J6 and screwed everyone over and, and subverted Trump. How about that? Right. But then when you say that, they, they act like, uh, you know, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> but then if you actually sit down and take the time to look at everything we've got here and to go through their movement resources and look through the, the little uh, rabbit holes that these leftists use to go back and forth to communicate to organize in a ho horizontal fashion you see exactly what they did and this is i think where the conservatives are at a serious disadvantage okay because our movements our organizations our grassroots is structured very differently from the way the the sorry from the way the the Democrat or progressives structure theirs. Okay. I, I kind of like to, I like to compare it with an analogy because that's the best way I can kind of do it, but they are kind of like a beehive or an ant hive or ant hill. Like they operate in a way that's very kind of like they're all working in unison as one big team 
even though they do sprout out into many different anthills, right? They'll be working as like a, you know, like a unit, right? And they'll work I've, for the I've, greater good of the team. Whereas the conservative movement, we're like a bunch of Indians with different chiefs. And we, we kind of create pockets of people that form around chiefs. And so the main thing that the Democrats have been doing with us right now is they all have us all warring and fighting with each other. And that's, and you see it, you know, everyone sees all this infighting going on. That's what it is. It's the same way that, unfortunately, the Native Americans met their downfall was same thing, bunch of chiefs, bunch of tribes, and everyone fights and wars with each other and gets divided and everyone just listens to that chief. And there's no real fluid type of communication and organization. And there's no, there's none of that going on in the conservative movement. Okay. It's very segregated, compartmentalized, cut off. I mean, everything is like that and, and very divided tribalistic. Like, oh, you're around this, you're in the, you know, you're in the conservative ink camp or you're in the, you know, the alt-right camp or you're in the this camp. And, and they kind of, you know, people kind of stick to their, their camps, right? And they don't want to associate and then they infight and they all attack each other. That's the conservative movement right now, right? So how do we, how do we deal with the way these leftists operate and organize and explain that to the chiefs when my whole frustration has been, I've been trying to get access and, and basically get in front of these chiefs and go, hey, this is what's going on. This is what they're doing. But these chiefs, are, you know, everyone around the chief is like, oh, he, you know, you have to just be able to do it in five seconds or 10 seconds, a one, a, like a one minute talking point. Right. And it's like, well, how do you do that? How do you do that? How do you explain how an alien freaking world operates in that short window of time and how they did what they did? Right. And then how do we get that from that one chief to all the other chiefs when there's no organizational structure? You know, it's crazy yeah. to me, but we, we have to kind of rethink how we're structured and how we're organized because there, there may be some advantages, but there's also definitely some big disadvantages. Yeah. So. And, and, and Millie, to that point, I, you brought it up earlier, and, I, and this is something that we've been talking about is. It's not only that it's a bunch of chiefs and not an, and, and, and not enough tribe and then that you can only listen to a specific chief and, and the rest of the people don't know what they're talking about. Only I know the information. It's the gatekeeping behavior. It's not just gatekeeping. And maybe it's nefarious. Maybe it's just financial. I don't know. But it's not just the gatekeeping that's the problem. There's also people that see this stuff and like, wow, I could monetize this. So actually, let me take this over. And I'm actually going to use this and monetize off of people. And then I'm going to keep it over here. And then we're only people that are talking about X, Y, and Z thing. I, this might sound crazy to somebody is listening. They're like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I just know this because I don't belong to a tribe. <laughs> and I talk to a lot of different tribes and all these fucking people are doing these things. And there's a lot of people that believe a lot of good things about a lot of people on the conservative side that I, I've seen personally firsthand that that's not the case. And how do you explain that? And then do you explain it? Do, do, do you actually go down that road? How much harm is it going to do to the average person within a movement or whatever? And a lot of times it's great. And so you keep your mouth shut. You don't say anything. You don't come out with it. You're just like, whatever, I'll just, I'll do my thing over here and whatever. But then it just 
reaffirms and, and it grows this, this separation. And I'm telling you, and I'm telling you this right now, if you guys know, I'm not going to mention any names. It doesn't effing matter. I don't need to name names. But if you guys know anything at all, you will know on our side, we have a far worse problem with, with gatekeeping, misdirection, and misinformation than you ever thought possible. If you think legacy media or these fact checkers are full of misinformation, holy shit. And the tactic is simply this. It's a lot of people on the right. Tell 80% of the truth, add in 20% of bullshit, ultimately crushing the actual investigation into truth by discrediting it with, by the bullshit you've also introduced into that. I see it happen a thousand times. And anytime somebody on our side is getting attacked, most likely it's because they're calling out the fact that it was manipulated and twisted and bullshit, but these people have profited off of it. And there's people that will hide behind Bible scriptures and tell you they're conservative and all these things. Meanwhile, doing stuff that's way more dirty than whatever is done on the left. And I, I hate to break it to you, but that's just the way it is. And so I'm fully prepared to be attacked, Millie. And, and no one has to listen. Actually, no one has to listen to me. I, mean, I want them to listen to you, but no one has to listen to me. But eventually you're going to see exactly what the hell I'm talking about. No, and yeah. And you yeah. really see it once you actually kind of get to see kind of behind the scenes what goes on and, and, and talk to the circles and find out all the conversations that kind of happens behind closed doors. But you can't go like, you know, if you have conversations with certain people and you're told about certain things and, and what's going on. You can't just come out and publicly say all that stuff because then you you end up, uh, you know, you end up losing confidence or trust with that person in them telling you anything else. So it's it's kind of like a complicated thing where, you know, we, we who are in the conservative movement, we see a lot, we hear a lot and we know a lot about what's going on behind the scenes. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's kind of complicated. But here's the other thing I want to point out. So. The way that the Democrats operate, it, it, how they operate kind of like an ant, an ant uh, what do you call it, an ant colony or like a, something of that sort. Well, there's a, there is a downfall to that. OK, and it is. Have you guys ever seen when ants do the death march? Have you guys ever seen that? Yeah, the, de the death spiral. Yeah. The death spiral. OK, yeah. so. Essentially, it's it's the concept where the ants, the way they kind of operate is with pheromones, right? And so they lead they lead a scent trail. One of them leads a scent trail in a circle where then they, they then like collapse on themselves and they just keep spinning and spinning and walking in circles forever until they essentially die. And that's that's the death spiral. So currently, right now, the Democrat Party is in an ant death spiral. They actually are right now. Now, something could break them out of it, hopefully, you know, not to our own advantage, but something could break them out of it. But they are in a death spiral. And the number one thing that sent them into the death spiral was actually how Biden has handled um, the Israel-Palestine situation. So currently right now, you know, that there's, um, you know, the establishment Democrat the establishment Democrats, the Biden administration got behind helping Israel, right? Whereas a large contingent of the Democrat base, the radical progressive leaders, they are very much pro-Palestine. And so there's a fight going on right now where 
uh, really these, these leftist affinity groups that essentially helped helped Biden steal the election, helped pull off all of the J6, all of this stuff, they helped them pull it off, right? They got their seats at the table somewhat, like trinkets, really. Oh, you can be part of this climate thing or this environmentalist thing here. You know, they, they got their seats at the table. Don't get me wrong. But they never really got full power that they want. So the, the establishment Democrats still have that. So what's going on is currently shut down D.C., Sunrise Movement, a bunch of these leftist organizations that once they were all teamed up against Trump. Now they've gotten into this death spiral where they are attacking the Democrat Party. So if you if you see like they're going and they're um, protesting Biden's speeches and getting dragged out or they're going and they're protesting the DNC and getting dragged off or arrested and they're like, they continue to do this. And the more they do this, they're, sh- they're shaming and, sh- you know, shunning the Biden administration. They're calling Joe Biden genocide Joe. But then now, you know, Nancy Pelosi, the staff and Democrats are coming after them publicly on, you know, in TV interviews, calling for FBI to research into their uh, finances. And she's saying that it's Putin, it's Russia who's behind them. He's financing them. This, this is what this is, right? So they're literally caught up in this spiral and it's never going to end because the victim Olympics around the Palestinians and around uh, the Jewish people is, is a confusing conundrum. So they're caught in this spiral, kind of like how there was a, a, a brief glimpse of time where they also were caught up in the spiral surrounding feminist women's rights and the transgender rights where there was a direct conflict there and they just kind of spiraled because that's what happens when you kind of have have uh you know failed logic and fallacies and other things that you operate on there's a possibility that they'll spiral and so because they aren't made up in those separate clusters their disadvantages is all their leadership has to do is follow that pheromone right and all the and all of the ones fall in line and they all just start circling and spinning. And, you know, that's what's going on with them right now. This is pretty it's pretty fascinating to watch. Um, it's absolutely fascinating to watch. So, yeah, Genocide Joe, new name. I say we we help, uh, you know, I don't know if we want to we want to engage it too much. But like because you might mess it up, like I don't want to mess up their little spiral they've got going on there. But. Yeah, Genocide Joe is the new name that they're calling Joe Biden. <laughs> because to your point, I'll get to the hands because you and I and Jen, we've been ranting for quite a bit, but we've got so much to say. And everyone told us to shut the hell up for so long. I just I just it feels so liberating and freeing to be like, yeah, we actually have most of the baddies on our side, too, just so we're clear. And the entire grift is completely fucked. And I'll just give you this dynamic. And the reason what I'm talking about before I get to the death circle is that. You only have clicks and bait if you are also in the victim uh, or the oppressed oppressor uh, narrative as well. It's like we on the right, we're losing. Why are we always losing? It's these damn rhinos or it's the, it's the damn chai comms in our government. And it, it's this and that and the other. And, you know, you know, here's my here's my promo link. Here's my, you know, donate to me, whatever. And I'll be the voice for the unheard. But when you actually get down to solving the problems, oh, no, no, we can't do that. It's too hard. It's too big. Like like what people in Congress told Jen when she was talking about normizing. Oh, that's too big. We can't tackle that. That's too big. It's the same thing that why 
why Roe v. Wade was so important, I'll get to my point, was because you, you could have vapid, platformless politicians on one side or the other of an issue as long as the issue was there. So like gun rights, right? We can talk about gun rights all the time, yet we're seeing at a record pace that states are going to constitutional carry. So that's becoming irrelevant. We saw Roe v. Wade is overturned and went back to states' rights. Why is that so important? Because you can't actually, you can't actually for long have a national platform on abortion when it's a states' rights issue. Or then you've got then you've got this where we're talking about censorship and they're censoring conservatives and let's bring Mark Zuckerberg up to Congress and let's lambast him and and make them look foolish, although I was a fan of, and I think Holly did well, ultimately at the end of the day, these are issues that are that are being used to not actually put forth anything meaningful for the American people. And you can still be a politician or you can still be a podcaster or you can still be an influencer, so to speak, and be on the other side of an issue and rally people around you. But the reality is that they nobody would want it fixed because if it's fixed, no one can make money off it. Same thing when they say, why don't we have any unity on the right? Well, because you can't make money on the right if everyone's unified, right? That's the point. And, and so like when you see this and when you know this, like the left is the least of our concerns, but, and then I'll come back to the circle of death, wokeism and oppressor oppressed narrative is cannibalistic in nature once the other people just disagree with the dichotomy altogether. So like when conservatives started like, not caring whether you called us racist or homophobes or phobophobes when that didn't work, it turned in on themselves. Now you have these, these people on either side of an argument on the same side, quote unquote, philosophically, they're cannibalizing each other. Now you've got these leftist groups that are calling Joe Biden, who was supposed to be their champion, their Democrat champion, genocide Joe, because he's not taking the correct position on the Israel Palestine issue. Um, it's cannibalistic in nature. And if you don't participate in it, then they, they're just going to eat themselves. Um, so I think Millie, I think the best answer for that, and I'll go, I'll go to you, Rose or Adam and then Rose, you guys have had your hands up, but I think the answer is let's just grab some popcorn and let's try to continue to put out the information that we have. And hopefully, hopefully, um, it, it, it will intersect with somebody like a Thomas Massey and, and, and Dan Bongino that are talking about the J6 pipe bomber case, and maybe some of this information, they'll say, hey, wait a minute, you mean these groups prior to January 6th were meeting and they understood where the police stations were, where the White House grounds were, what the Capitol building grounds were, and they had all these plans, and that just miraculously an egg timer with a 60-minute timer was supposed to be there for 24 hours and that we were supposed to take that seriously, and now we're seeing all the stuff come out about who, who may have placed it, who found it, and everything else. I think, Millie, in my opinion, that we just keep putting it out. And I think eventually it will intersect with somebody. They're going to pick it up, kind of like they picked up your thread on the feds for democracy, and it will fly. And maybe, just maybe, we'll get some people with actually integrity to actually look at it, pick it up, and then run with it. And but here's the thing, though. I, I will I kind of, uh, I do want to put a warning here, and then obviously uh, we'll go to Adam and No Rose. Just because they're in this this death spiral doesn't mean that they won't shake out of it when it becomes more and more of a realization that Trump's going to likely be president in 2024. So, so never underestimate their ability to, you know, reform and try to go as a unified force against Trump. And it might just mean more back deal, you know, negotiations on their part of who, who's going to be, controlling the levers of power when they try to steal the next time around. 
right? Because yeah. yeah. All right. So so we'll, let's go ahead and go to Adam and No Rose. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, I've been saying it since 2020 that they will be eating themselves, and uh, that's something I've definitely stated uh, several times. They will be eating themselves because it's the, the, you know that's just cannibalistic, like you said, trash. Uh, definitely. Uh, what 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 you guys were talking about earlier uh, with the with the Ukraine and all that, and uh, you know Hillary Clinton, as soon as she lost, and uh, you know things started going south with Comey and all that, she went to Europe, and uh, that's where I think personally uh, a lot of this was blueprinted while she was over there with the UN and uh, meeting with people, and uh, she you know she was off the scene, you didn't see her publicly for a couple of years, and uh, I do have a clip here. I'm gonna take up the just two minutes of time here. Uh, of Wait, my and, Adam, before you yeah. play that, so trash, I just put up in the nest, um, something that's breaking from Roz, and uh, it says that the United States officials state that there will not be airstrikes in Iran in risk. Oh, in Iran. So they're not going to be, I thought they meant like at all. And I was like, wait, yeah. are they really backing down to Iran? <laughs> oh yeah. So Jen, actually I can talk about that a little bit. So you guys know, I just got back from Dubai and I was talking to some folks that obviously live locally there. And uh, one of the things that they pointed out was if you notice the Iraqi division of Hezbollah has vowed to not attack anything U S militarily, they don't want to attack any U S military. All these groups in that region are standing down because they're going to fuck around and find out. I mean, regardless if you like the administration or not, you, you, you can't attack U.S. soldiers and not expect, expect reprisal. But one of the things um, that they're talking about is they're actually backing down from it. So it's not shocking um, that they're not going to be airstrikes in Iran because everyone's worried that, like, if they're actually going to, like, bomb Tehran, that that's going to start World War III. And so now they're backpedaling away from this whole thing because politically they can't start World War III. So, like, this is like, yeah, I see what you're saying. But it is because all these uh, groups, I guess they're doing some backdoor diplomacy, whatever, but they know that it's politically suicide to try to start World War Three, And I think this is their, their way of like, you know, sidestepping their way out of it is essentially what's going on. But uh, Adam, what clip are you playing? Can you yes. give us some context before you play? I, I will definitely give you some context. Uh, it's uh, University of Michigan. Uh, it's Hillary Clinton talking about Ukraine, Russia and the West. And it's the Ford School of Public Policy. It's got a low viewership, uh, you know, and a very low thumb uh, thumbs up count. And uh, this is in 2018, four okay. years ago. Yeah, uh, not, not, not 2018. We, but, we, but why are we playing it? Like what? Because I mean, it's very relevant to what you guys were talking about in regards to Ukraine and what the what what uh, Hillary Clinton and this whole group, uh, you know, got their ideas from and what they've been doing in uh, Ukraine. Uh, I'll just play two minutes of it. Uh, well, if you want to cut it off, just mute me. Uh, that'll be fine. I, I, uh, I'm to, like, okay. So like, can you, can you actually illuminate? I don't want to wait, Adam. I don't know why you're okay. like, so, okay, so can you actually, <laughs> we were talking about a lot of things. So like what, what specifically are you trying to convey here? Just, just, just say the point. Okay. Well, um, I, I just, you know, think that the involvement, this whole Ukraine plan, everything, started back then and you know they've been planning this it's a whole scheme from you know all this covid the 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 maidan coup and you know into this uh, it's been going on for a long time and uh i just wanted to play this clip from about four years ago just a little bit of it 
Um, so, and it's Hillary so Clinton Adam, speaking. Yes. Adam, you know I'm very blunt, so I'm just going to say yes, this. Yes, of course. I don't know if it's appropriate to just randomly uh, play clips in other people's spaces that okay. you haven't talked well, about prior for, to this space. So, yeah. Well, with but, all respect. Yeah, I just don't know if it's like the best uh, course of action at the moment. Okay, sure. I won't push it. I, I could take no for an answer, definitely. <laughs> no problem. Well, I mean, if we want to litigate like the politics of U.S. being involved in Ukraine, I mean, we don't have to look further than like Vicky Newland and the Euromaidan protests. I don't need Hillary Clinton to tell me. I mean, we've been talking about this for some time. And you can look at the if you guys want to know what the hell I'm talking about, you can go back to the Senate report, uh, I believe in 2020. This is Ron Johnson. And they put out a, a, a report called, uh, you know, Hunter Biden, Burisma and the corruption in Ukraine. Um, and all of it's detailed in there. And, and the people like Michael McFaul and Norm Eisen and, and Victoria Newland and George Kent and all these people that were part of the basically the, the precursor to the Euromaidan in 2014. And that was basically the upheaval of the government in Ukraine. And that's when they installed a more friendly government. And that's when you saw Joe Biden at the Council of Foreign Relations talking about, well, son of a bitch, he got fired. We're going to withhold the money, so on and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think I see where you're going. Okay, I'll, su I'll summarize in, in some words, oh uh, Trash, rather, rather than playing the video. Um, uh, basically, wait, wait, uh, wait, Adam, Adam, yeah. darling, okay, you, you're, Trash was still talking, dude. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. It's all good, man. You're really, excited. you're really excited, so go for it, man. I don't. All right, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so basically, uh, you know, I just listened to it real quick, and uh, it's, uh, it's, she's talking about, uh, the current situation in Ukraine, uh, that how it's basically um, looked at as a scandal country at the moment because of what happened uh, in, in the past. And, uh, you know, she starts talking about how important it is for it to become part of the UN. And, uh, and she's going on in this little speech here with the, this gentleman from, uh, you know, the Mich University of Michigan. And she's just explaining that they need to bring Ukraine in and starts talking about all the resources and everything in this speech. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you. Yeah, Rose, go ahead. Hey, folks. How you doing? No, I'm going back to the uh, circle of death. I just, um, you know, with all, with all the conversations, uh, regarding Millie's work and the groups. And, you know, I find it, it, it makes total sense that um, they're in the circle of death. Uh, they lost control of Sunrise. Basically, they put a leader in charge of Sunrise who actually is a preeminent pro-Palestinian. She got her start as a pro-Palestinian uh, protester, and now she is the head of Sunrise, and that's Aru Shiny Ajay, and she's now heading it up. So there's no doubt all the protests that you see in New York and elsewhere, the armies of people that you see are getting ordered from her, I have a feeling. And I, I just, they lost control of her, and um, she picked the side she wanted to be on and it's, it was her first love, you know, and, she, but I have to say as well, I'm seeing rumblings. I, I had shared it with the group 
that I really do believe that they are going to roll out the climate immigration thing protests this summer. Um, I know that there's going to be a big collaboration with NYU Sunrise and uh, an NYU professor is organizing this massive study, quote unquote, if you want to call it that. And they're trying to organize a whole bunch of protests as a science experiment for climate justice. So um, I can I, I shared it in the back channels. Um, and her, uh, the person that the professor at NYU, she's a young girl. And to, I mean, there's like three of them in, in the department that, that that's what they do. It's like they, they're basically being trained as professional organizers. So very odd. But anyway, yeah, I, I just wanted to uh, put that in into the dialogue and they are eating their own and they get aligned with these, you know, these young people who are completely radicalized and you know, they get a bug up their butt. They don't care who they're protesting against. And that's, that's the bottom line. Yeah, no, they really don't. Um, and I'm here for it. Uh, it just need to make sure that uh, people on the right don't try to twist it and then make some other kind of victim narrative out of it and then try to make money off of it because, you know, the best, <laughs> we're going to be, basically be able to mess up the best things that we've got going for us. So uh, real quick, I want to reset the room a little bit, guys. We've gone, a million miles an hour in this space. I think that we're all just excited, like at least Millie, Jennifer, and myself, we're all excited to be back again talking about this stuff and actually seeing some national coverage on a lot of the things that, you know, Millie's been suffering from even having the information over and the stuff that we've been attacked for relentlessly over the last couple of months for sharing it again. I mean, I'm still getting attacked to this day and I know Millie is too and, and Jen and, and Dustin. So um, that's kind of where we're at. And Savvy joined us. She, I know you texted me. I couldn't listen to the audio, Sav, because I'm obviously hosting the space, so I can't listen to it. Do you have a way to like set set the table about what you're about to play? Can you play it on the space? Are you able to do that? Because I, I haven't had a chance to hear it. Savvy, can you hear me? Are we glitching this bad? Savvy, can you hear Aaron? Well, Millie, I had to, I had to take, I had to move you down and back up because you had the blue dot next to your name. Uh, yeah, which, but that that's just because I'm driving and in and out of not the best areas at the moment. Yeah, but it typically means that you can't unmute. So we'll get Savvy back in here. Um, she sent me something in text message saying we're gonna effing win. I really want to hear what it was. That's why she came up. So hopefully she can come back so we can hear it because I think this was like a conversation with like a normal person like at her job like a customer that was talking. So I, I want to hear what, what they had to say. So um, hopefully we'll get her back in here. And meanwhile, Kim joined us with a hand up. Go ahead. Hi guys. Um, I, and I may have missed this, but did you see that um, Hillary Clinton video when she's talking about indivisible? No, I haven't. I'll forward it to you. But I, I thought that that was interesting because, you know, we had been talking about that in prior weeks and uh, Jessica had, you know, had bought, brought up the whole thing with the indivisible. And it is really quite disturbing. Um, even just her cadence is is quite creepy. Like in what way? Can you be a little bit more descriptive? Like, what are you what are you talking about? 
Well, she's so basically she's rallying um, the indivisible group and telling them, you know, hey, we need to get ready um, for the 2024 election and your support is needed now more than ever. Sort of like a rally cry. They're starting up with that same um, rhetoric again, uh, where they where they're preparing for a coup, right? That's what they're starting up with because she's saying the Republicans are going to try to steal the 2024 election. So they're rallying the cry, as, I guess, to reform what they did last time to stop the coup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And sort of like to be a little bit more descriptive, what Millie's talking about. And, and remember, we we found the indivisible group out of like a lot of the documents that came out of the Sunrise Movement and then just go ran with it and put an excellent, excellent story together uh, and was reported in Breitbart and uh, kudos to her for chasing down that tale. Because I remember looking at it and I was like, wow, this is something I'm definitely going to visit. But she went after it and she put together a hell of an investigation on that. Uh, But no, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, listen, this is their decentralized, quote unquote, decentralized protest groups uh, where they they silo individual groups where it's the same thing that you can say that Antifa is an idea because they're not centrally managed, but technically they are, but they act like they're not. Um, so yeah, indivisible. I, I wouldn't surprise me that Hillary's talking about it. It wouldn't surprise me a bit specifically that Hillary is because Hillary is trying to now levy some more power and take it back on the Democrat side. This is the reason that Podesta is in there replacing John Kerry. Yeah. She's uh, grifting for donations. So I sent it to you in a text so you can t- check it out. For sure. For sure. Yeah, so it wouldn't surprise me. I'll take a look at the video here in a minute. Savvy, can you play whatever you sent me? I have not been able to listen to it yet. Um, are you able to play it on the space so we can hear it? Because I've obviously been hosting. Well, can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me? You can? Because, oh, yes. this is so bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was a personal video that I just took in my branch. And it was the most epic rant in my life. Um, it came actually from the aunt of one of the fallen three, um, from Jordan and she, oh my gosh, it was, it, she was angry, but she was so incredibly patriotic. And when she left the branch, she, at the top of her lungs, she turned around, walked out the door and said, if President Trump wasn't in office, if he was in office, this would not have happened. Um, saying that everyone within, thank you, Bo, good job today. Um, everyone within her community, and she's a, she's a black female, um, is... for Trump, that she is a chef and she's like a classically trained chef and she can't even get a job in my area of town uh, because of all the illegal undocumented workers And because she doesn't speak Spanish. Stav, you're rubber banding really bad. I want to try that again. Can you hear me? Um, I can hear me. 
you're yeah, you're rubber banding really, you really rub, bad. Rubber bander I've ever heard. Okay, so, uh, Sab, I'm gonna. Uh, I don't know if you're like out of range, but if you want to come back in, I'm actually cutting that video into two pieces so I can DM it to myself and I can play on the space myself. Uh, but if you make your way back, I want to hear what you got to say. Should we go to some of these hands? Yeah, let's go to Mike Mac. Jump in. Hey, Jen, Melly Trash. Uh, I just wanted to say, and then uh, I'll drop back down, that um, I, I was thinking in my mind about how I would present the things that you guys are talking about to other people, because as you all know, that a lot of people do not come on uh, to X, and especially on the spaces, to get this information straight from the source like you guys are giving it. And so I just wanted to offer up that if you guys do decide to put um, any kind of doc together, and this kind of goes to, to Millie's thing, because I was so impressed with that, that if y'all need any kind of help with video editing or anything like that, uh, any raw footage, uh, just let me know, and I'd be willing to uh, to help out with whatever you need with that. So that was it. Yeah, and Mike Mack made an amazing video uh, for America Mission that I really loved, and thanks for that, Mike. We we really appreciate you doing that. So I would, M Millie, if you need help, Mike is pretty good at video editing. Awesome. Yeah, that would be great. If you if you want to make any small clips for that, uh, send them to me and I'll put them up on Twitter. I'll, I'll share them out. Awesome. Let's go to Jenny. Hey, guys. Um, I just wanted to say I've been really enjoying listening to your space. Uh, everything that uh, the host, I think it's Thrasher, Jen, and Millie, especially Millie, have been sharing your truth and your experiences that has not been falling on deaf ears. I've definitely been absorbing everything you guys are saying, and it's really inspiring me to get more involved and whatnot. Yeah, and to uh, not give up the good fight. So thank you so much for that. Oh, you're welcome. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, and so... I actually have, I don't know what's going on with Savvy and her, her, her she, I've been brought up like three times. She's having struggles connecting, but I did DM, well, I used Jennifer, I used Jen's DM to DM myself, uh, the video in two parts that, that Savvy was talking about that was recorded. I haven't listened to it, uh, but based on what she said here, I think we should listen to it. So if you guys want, I can play it. It's about three minutes collectively between the two. I don't know if you guys want to do that or what do you guys want to do? That sounds good, Chuck. All right. Let me go to my DMs. I blew up uh, Jen's DMs so I could send this. Let's see. There he is. Okay. I'm going to play this in two parts. I had to break it up to send the whole thing. So I'll, I'll play it. Let's see what we got. Oh, I can't hear it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I can't hear it. Let me see if I can get the audio better on this in the future so I can play because I can I can't hear what that lady's saying. Hey trash, it's Trennis. When you guys get a chance later, let's set up a uh, convoy space. We're in the middle of this bad boy. It's awesome. Where did you say you were at, Trennis? I'm at the new insurrection. At least that's what the left's calling it. I mean, we're all down here to peacefully stand at the border. The one you guys helped build. God bless you. 
Thanks, Jonas. Yeah. I mean, what's it like down there? What, what, like, give us the 360 of what's going on around you. Well, right now we're in a six mile convoy closing in on Eagle Pass. State police been lined up and really nice. Uh, they're setting up and cordoning off intersections like we're having uh, the world's greatest parade. It's fantastic. People are out on the streets, people are lining. Uh, the roadways all over the place. Their children are out here. It's working like a parade. It's beautiful. Well, I do think it's interesting that we're not really seeing much much coverage of any of that right now on the the mainstream media. I mean, that is kind of interesting. You think you'd the, see more videos? Yeah, we have a site up. Uh, I'll send you. I'll drop a link to it to you guys. There's a site up on Twitter for it. Uh, whole lot going on there. Uh, we've been posting it that the it's funny all the media that we see covering this coming through here have been wearing masks. Literally, you see the big camera crews and the journalist is wearing a mask out here in Castroville, Texas, right about now, or just past the other side of it. And nobody lining the streets and waving is wearing a mask. Only the lunatics filming. We call those booster bunnies. Well, you know, the thing I thought that was really interesting was I, I saw this gentleman post a video down at the border and he was showing how all of the media circus, everything was just really kind of this one section of the the border, right, that the big dispute was over. And then he was showing that, like, relatively, you know, not too far off there was openings where, where they could just walk right across. So to me, it just kind of seems like the whole thing's a big clown show because if you were actually really sending the National Guard down there to secure the border, wouldn't you want to do that across a vast stretch of the border, not just one area? I mean, to me, that just something seems off about it. Something doesn't seem right about it. No. I'll reserve my comments. I <laughs> I have different views. Like, let's, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's so much stuff um, that is meant to be a distraction that we can't actually talk about anything that actually matters. And I am actually growing in concern with a lot of it. And so, you know, maybe it's all fake and gay. Maybe it is. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that people going down there should be safe. I think they should be mindful of the fact that it's probably another tarp just like January 6th was, but, you know, who am I to say, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'm getting frustrated. I'm no, no, I, I hear you. I hear you. And it just seems like the timing seemed very convenient, right? And, you know, it makes you wonder when you see certain things happening at certain time periods when, you know, I just so happened to break this huge report, put this huge thread together that was picking up viral momentum showing that the Democrats had actually committed an actual insurrection, had subverted the president of the United States as well as the U.S. government. And instead of all of these big media syndicates covering that, which you, you would think that would be like breaking news, right? An actual insurrection. No, they, they covered this this thing with all, you know, Texas Governor Abbott and the border, and then all these governors were signing a letter in support, in solidarity, mind you, which I thought was really weird, which whatever, you know, the, the word, somebody could say, okay, so anyone could use that word, but but really we only see communists use that word. So I, I just thought it was weird. And um, 
Yeah, and just the, the timing of the whole thing, just to me, it seemed really, really, really convenient because that would be kind of the only way you would actually be able to argue in court against Trump pertaining to the J6 uh, cases if you can show a pattern of, of ins- uh, essentially insurrections, right? A pattern, oh, look, they actually, here's them doing this other, you know, faux insurrection again. I mean, it, to me, it just is like, okay, can we not do this right now? Like, I, I get the situation at the border. I get that it's been a crisis, but why are we doing it right now before campaign season? Why weren't we doing it in the very beginning? Why are we waiting till right now? Kind of like, why is why is Joe Biden waiting until right now to come to East Palestine? I mean, the train derailment happened over a year ago. Well, really a year ago. And now all of a sudden, Joe Biden's going to show up in East Palestine. It's because it's campaign season. Yeah. And, re- and remember, Millie. The only reason anybody was even talking about East Palestine was because you and I had a space that morning saying, hey, no one's talking about this. Why are they not talking about it? We had an eight hour space. We had experts. We had journalists, experts, people, your father, people that worked, you know, long time hazmat cleanup. And we broke down what was happening. The water people. The water people. Yes, we had all the water testers. Right. And everyone came together and was like, hey, this is a serious problem. We need to be reporting on this. And then another larger space picked up on it and it finally made its way to like Tucker. And then it finally made its way to national news. And that's when you, Millie, went on the ground with uh, Rudy Giuliani and we're touring East Palestine when nobody else was talking about it. And we what, what we, we, we banged on about it for months. It finally got some attention and we obviously had to talk about other things and now here we are a year later and all of a sudden now we're going to we're going to we're going to get together with a bunch of states and we're going to close the border well yeah that's good i want that but also why does it have to be some kind of like movement i I, and again we're still not talking about the things that are actually going to matter in november right at all And, and so i just i have questions i have concerns um and I think that a lot of people are falling into the same traps of influence politics in election seasons. And no one actually gives a shit about fixing anything at all, nor do they care about anything um, that has a real life impact. And it, you're right. I think it's curious around the same time that Transition Integrity Project is being talked about again. The same thing about January 6th is being talked about again that everyone's attention is being diverted to something else and that's not actually addressing anything that should be addressed. I have grave concerns about this. And frankly, you guys know I'm a serial white pillar, right? I I think we're going to win. Like, I think we are so back. And I think that we are absolutely going to do, and I say we, us on the right, I think America First is going to do everything they can to fuck that up. And I have concerns that that's what's going to happen. Because... We have to look at shiny things. We have to look at, oh, look, the Senate staffer that was, you know, having sex on camera. He's not getting charged. Be outraged. Be outraged. Click here. Be outraged. Hey, donate here if you don't believe that Ronald McDaniel should be the RNC chair. Click here. Be outraged over here. Be outraged over here. Okay. Can, can, can we not talk about how members of the government colluded with uh, left-wing affinity groups to steal the 2020 election and burn down cities during the summer of love? You don't want to talk about that? You, 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 you don't want to talk about how all of the stuff was known 
for years and we're just now talking about it? Oh, you don't want to talk about that? Oh, you want to have a censorship hearing in, in, in Congress, but we don't actually want to bring any receipts. We just want to allow the people on the left-hand side and part of this committee to be outraged and make stupid comments so we can then go on social media and legacy media and make fun of what the leftists say versus actually getting to the actual nuts and bolts of the conversation. We, we don't want to do that. Or, or, or we, don't, we don't actually want to um, bring forth articles of impeachment on any of these people that we should have done two years ago. But we're going to do it now in election cycle, election season. But we don't want to talk about what the Sunrise Movement is actually doing or how they've been taking over the Senate chamber or how they were taking over Kevin McCarthy's office, how they protested Nancy Pelosi in her driveway. We, we don't want to talk about that because it's the same people that were involved in what happened in 2020 in the steal of our election. We don't want to talk about that. So I, I'm, I'm with you, Millie. Like I'm, I'm, I'm highly frustrated and I am very much a big fan of them finding their nuts in Texas to do what they did because I can't do it here. We did have a governor that did that until Katie Hobbs took over. And now she's removed the semi-trailers and now they've closed our Southern border at Lukeville. And that's where they're populating all these people that are not making it through Eagle Pass. They're sending them through our state here. There's nothing I can do about it. I can talk about it, but there's nothing I can do about it. But again, we don't, we don't want to actually want to talk about what really is going on because I think if we talk about what's really going on, we might just unify on the right. And I think a lot of people won't make the money that they were making by being outraged on the right. And I think that that's actually what I want to talk about. And so I'm probably going to get attacked over this, too. And I really don't give a shit. I've already been attacked six ways from Sunday as it's been the last year. I'm not going to fucking stop. But, like, can we can we be adults about some things and actually have the real conversations about stuff? Or do we just need to have, like, fake conversations and, like, outrage and, like, Zim Zer cutting their dick off is somehow, like, a national conversation that we need to be having 24-7? Versus just handling it at a state level. So anyway, yeah, I just wanted to say that. But uh, end rant. My boss is calling. I, I appreciated that rant very much so, Aaron. Because you know it's exactly how I feel. Like, you know, some people acting like, oh, that's not relevant. How they stole the election in 2020 going into 2024. It's like, actually, it's incredibly relevant. Because these people are still around today. They have not been busted. They have not been you know, criminally charged. Nothing has happened to stop them from doing it again in 2024. And in fact, they could absolutely do it again in 2024. It's like once you've pulled it off, you know, you become emboldened to do it even more. So absolutely, this is relevant. And these are the people that are still now responsible for these phony baloney lawfare actions that have been brought against Trump. There are many attempts to try to take him out. You know, it's, it's, it's mind blowing to me. And even like, you know, one thing I actually was uh, talking to, um, you know, uh, uh, someone, I guess one of Trump's lawyer friends, I'll just say it, uh, Peter Tickton, um, about was like basically the information we have here that shows that Alvin Bragg was essentially, um, you know, the real justice pack pretty much endorsed him, financially supported him and got him elected. And then to see him, that he's the one that they're using to go after Trump in New York City uh, for over J6-related uh, charges, well, that's a direct conflict of interest right there. And this information alone could be presented to possibly recuse him from that. You know, and, and that's actually a valid point here. So these things are all still incredibly relevant to what's going on right now. So don't listen to any of the disinformation agents out there who are spinning nonsense. Go ahead, Adam. 
Well, you know, that's why, why I, I say, like, you know, if you want to get involved and go help the situation at the border, go get go get involved in your state guard. If you're in Florida, if you're in a, another state, you know, that's one way to, you know, get yourself involved and do your part. But in a legal manner where you can't be hurt, your family can't be hurt because you're working within a state guard under a governor. Um, yeah, that's all. Uh, I agree with you guys. Uh, I'm worried about it, too. But uh Hopefully things, uh, you know, hold true because all these governors are involved as well. So uh, I'll land there. Thank you. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, I, I, I actually probably maybe we can have a space a little bit later tonight. I have to make a couple calls. My phone's been ringing off the hook. I'm supposed to have the day off because I just got back into town from traveling. But I trash. I, you have your eight. Is your eight o'clock space tonight? What is it? What is that space? I don't even know what that is something about conspiracy no that's monday oh so oh i thought you had an eight o'clock space tonight no it's on monday oh so what that is guys if you want to know so mike Hal over its oversight project for heritage foundation came across a document that was um circulated through the department of energy and it was basically teaching the government employees how to stay away from conspiracy theories it is absolutely hilarious. They address all kinds of things, calling them conspiracy theories. And this got circulated through the Department of Energy and federal workers. So on Monday, Mike already put the thread out under Oversight Project, but he and I were talking. We're going to have a space on it on Monday and go over it because it's 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 crazy. <laughs> it's so crazy. But that's on Monday. Millie, did you want to add anything, Jen? you want to add anything savvy uh, before we shut this down? I do need to make a couple calls. No, I'm good, Trash. I don't Thanks, know if you got to hear too. the video, but we are so going to win. That's all I'm going to say. That's it. Yeah, I tried That's to it. play it. I tried to play it. Savvy, her voice is, I, I can't get it to play through the space loud enough. I can only hear you. So I'm going to go back and watch it, but we are so back. We are so back, Erin. Okay, back. <laughs> <laughs> she, like the gritted teeth. We are so back. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> oh. Uh, I'm so happy to be back, Millie. Um, you guys, were yeah. Happy. yeah, we're happy that you're back from your trip. It, it was like <laughs> it was weird having all these spaces without you in it. That's what I heard. <laughs> well, we are so back, and uh, we may have we may have um, person. I mean, I, I'll speak for myself. I may have personally aired some frustrations about some things on this space, and I appreciate you guys listening. But I'm just so tired of it. And like, I, you know, I, I've kind of kept away from that because I don't want to divert away from what a quote unquote the mission is. But what I've noticed is most of these people are not on my side. Matter of fact, it seems to be like a lot of people are not on the side at all and would do everything they can to shut us up and shut us down for whatever reason that may be. I don't know. Um, but I don't like the way that Millie was treated. I don't like the way that Jen was treated, the way that Savvy's been treated myself. And I'm not OK with it. I don't care what side it's coming from. Uh, truth is going to be the way forward and we will win. It's just a matter of what it looks like after we win. And I, I want the side of truth first to win, not the side of who can be the better propagandist. So that's just my feeling on it. Absolutely. And, and that's, I think that's what God's plan is in this whole thing is 2024 being this year of everything coming to light, all the, all of, you know, everything starting to become exposed out in the open, sunlight's the best disinfectant. And I think that, you know, we need to kind of think of it as, um, 
we need to learn from mistakes as a movement that the conservative movement has made in the past and try to go forward now having better understanding and knowledge of how they run these psyops on everyone and you know we we need to not just run after every um i guess what would you call it little uh, every carrot on a stick that they throw out in front of us we have to actually start to question things and and really kind of analyze what's going on from the perspective of understanding how uh, how they can essentially do narrative shifts. And there, there's there's always this really coincidental like thing that happens where you'll see that all of a sudden, like there's something in the media that the establishment doesn't like that's picking up traction. And then right out of nowhere, there's like some, something that will rapidly shift it in the complete opposite direction. And it's like, a, I think what we could call it is like a narrative, a rapid narrative shift where they like, like what was happening last time when all of a sudden they came out with this alien, you remember what the, the alien thing, like, oh, alien disclosure. <laughs> like I'm telling you, like there's these weird moments in time that I think if you guys, you know, pay attention and actually think back on the news cycle for the past couple of years where there would be something really big coming out about like the Hunter Biden laptop and all this crazy corruption. And then all of a sudden, oh, look, aliens and UFOs, you know, it'd be like and it would completely take over and inundate and, and the media and everyone would change every, and everyone on like the, the conservative side. We all just chased after the carrot and like, oh, look, this thing over here you know and cover it but we need to actually start realizing well wait a second are are you guys just trying to get us off of the topic we're on right and and, and then realize that we don't want to let them have that as a tool in their toolkit anymore that they can use because the biggest thing i think they they do is they they take advantage of the short attention span of the general public that's what they take advantage of um, and if they can create something sensational enough, the people just can't help but just, you know, shift their attention, shift their focus, and then everything else gets memory hold. And that's what they count on. So we have to just be consistent and re, and that's why we keep bringing the, the, the Zoom calls up with the federal employees that were subverting our government, subverting our president, committing treasonous crimes. Like we have to keep bringing it up because they keep trying to memory hole it and so you know that's why it's important so it's important to be sharing it as well guys it's still hard to get it past some of the algos on x so please share the thread i know uh trash put it up there in the nest so please continue to share it continue to tag your representatives continue to tag a big right wing media sites and, and demand that they talk about and cover it. Are, are you guys at all a little bit concerned that these big conservative platforms haven't even touched it or covered it? Is anyone else concerned about that? Well, you, you know, I, am. you know, I am. That's what I just ranted about. <laughs> yeah. Everyone should be concerned about that. Okay. And this is my thing is see, I coming from my perspective, of course, I'm going to like take the psychological approach of like, like hyper analyzing myself. Like, is it me? Am, you know, is it just that they don't like me and they won't touch it because of me? Like, what is the issue here? But, you know, I don't think it's that because this story is so huge that I should be not even like 
whether or not someone has any issue with me or not should be completely irrelevant because of the the magnitude of what's actually being discussed in those Zoom calls. That takes precedence over anything. Like the content, the receipts, the evidence, that is so big. Every freaking media outlet should be covering it, yet they're not. So look, there's something else going on and there's something else seriously wrong. And, and I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know how many people are compromised. I don't know if it's just they haven't heard about it because there's gatekeepers. It's hard to tell these days. But the only way we can actually be sure is if we start tagging everyone and bringing it to their attention on social media. That's the only way we can know because then it's like, all right, we, we know you got this. We know you were sent this at that rate. I agree. And I, I have I have questions. I have concerns. So I think we're going to keep our eyes open. I think we're going to have more spaces about this, guys. We're going to keep talking about it. And uh, frankly, there's more to even discuss that hasn't even been revealed yet. So I think we're going to keep doing it. And I think this year, we just, I think people need to stop being reactionary and start actually proactively setting the stage for somebody else to react to it. And I think that that's the way we're going to win this info war. It's not is, is stop looking at the shiny things and reacting to it and actually start being proactive and putting the information out and saying, okay, now you get to react to this. Because while we were doing that, Millie, we've been attacked. So that tells me that's what we need to be doing. So. Oh yeah. That was one of the things that we were doing heavily in 2016. And, and I would actually say that I, I would attribute that to much of the success of Trump's 2016 campaign and why Trump got uh, elected in 2016 is because everyone was on the offense, like the Hillary for, for prison, like all the different things that were going on, the WikiLeaks, like everything that was going on was very much offensive and not just, we weren't paying attention to whatever trinket or carrot on a stick they throw out in front of us. We were, we were telling the story. We were breaking the news. We were exposing these people. We were on the the offense and that's what needs to happen again in order for trump to win this upcoming election 2024 yep and we're going to continue being on the offense so guys thanks for being with us i'm going to make a couple calls so good to be back millie let's keep going we're going to have some next week guys a lot more to discuss we'll revisit a few things and bring out some new stuff i'm here for it so thanks a lot guys we'll see you soon thank you